Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're measuring flicks Hello everyone, welcome to the Film Appreciation Podcast that rolls the reels Peruses the pictures and then pits them against each other in brutal, unofficiated death matches. All so we can pluck from the celluloid carnage our annual champion. There can be only one, and it isn't Highlander. <laughs> I'm Carl Hartley. And I'm Max Peterson. And we are measuring flex. Measuring flex. Ah, measuring, measuring, measuring flex. flex. Measuring we're flex. measuring. By the end of the season. The last one's going to be so, so eerily we in sync. We won't even have to do the lethal weapon count. We're going to listen to the audio and we're going to be like, did did only one of us speak? Is that what our child would sound like as an adult? So unison, unified? Unified? Unified. Unificent. Listen, Carl. Unified. I, I want to unify the podcast. Before we go, before yes. we go a single second farther, yes. let us inaugurate. I know it's going to be hard to not just be like, who hey, are you? Hi. Hi there. You we're handsome here. I'm devils. Here. I'm here. Oh, my, my face is... My eyes are up here. Eyes are up here. here. I'm like, well, they're there, too. It's okay to engage them every once in a while. Yeah. Hi, listeners. So, if you want to play along at home, (laughs) you're going to need about 64 ounces of... of Any kind of brandy that you prefer. Yeah, whatever your brandy of choice is. My last name happens to be Hartley. Yeah, so we uh, today we are may or may not have anything to do with. The I'd type show of the label, but I don't know if we're getting sued for it. Fair. So, but my last name is Hartley, and we're drinking brandy. If that's a hint for you, now you can do your own detective work on that one. Um, but sleuth it up, sleuth it up. So we have officially begun season five. Yes, man. Here we are, dude. God, it uh in yeah I know like started like a Felt month like pandemic all over again. It kind of did kind of worse in ways a like, bit. Yeah. yeah, there was uh season season four just needed to be over. Yep, and put it away in its box. Yep, and uh, good run it had. It did. We some had, good episodes there. There, in was, a, there four. was a strong stab at a season four, but now we're entering season five. So Carl, yes, to start us all off, mm-hmm. um, before we get into the actual film. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with Quillen Film Productions going Sweet. forward. Yeah. Um, as you may have noticed, listener, there is, and viewer, there is now a video component to the podcast. Mostly it's so that you can all see the sheer frequency the sh- with which this with which gesture this is made. Uh, on how sh- frequently <laughs> I point bananas at, at Max's face. Dude, he startles me with huge numbers of things that are not guns. Yeah, so we did realize after listening back to 100 or so episodes, there is a lot of visual comedy that occurs during our... It's Especially when we go down rabbit holes or shticks. Oh, or yeah. Play like, care. Like Philly Jim, frat boy. Jim Cameron at the bottom of the ocean doing cocaine. <laughs> doing like, cocaine, right. I, think, I feel like it's, they're better... They're better suited for video. The guests seem to enjoy the visual elements that the rest of you have been missing for five years. So, so welcome to the table. Wait, welcome to the table. You are our th- third man. Is, is that the fourth wall right there? It is. All right. That's where it lives. That's where it exists. I like it. My hair is exceptionally greasy today. Dude, I dig it. Mine is also, but that's why I put it up. Yeah. Yours, well, I had a hat, but then we realized it was logo. It has logos on it. As you can see, we've used bandanas to cover all the fucking... Various lawsuits <laughs> strewn around my table. We're surrounded by lawsuits. <laughs> I know, dude. It's just like everywhere we look. Um, so currently, yes. currently, what are we working on? Right now, we're working on season five of Measuring Flicks. Mm-hmm. We are making quite a lot of progress with Suede Rainbow. Yeah, there's a lot band. of tracks being worked right now, and there's a new vocalist on board, we- adding a third voice, not just instrument voice, right. but 
singing voice. Yeah. So not only a voice, but also the human instrument, Carl. Absolutely. No, it, it's well. it's super cool. We keep running into like fun, cool local yeah. musicians who like the second you get them in a room and start writing music, they just drop gold on you. Yeah. So yeah. So we've and been, they add such flavor and style to the songs that we've been working on. In a way that is completely unexpected. unexpected. Yeah. Which is the great thing about working with musicians and other humans is they will always bring their own unique flavor and table. spice, baby. And it's so awesome. For sure. It is. Yeah. it is. It's amazing. So that's a lot of our time right there. It's Suede Rainbow. Yes. Lately it has been. Uh, we, had, we were scheduled for three band practices this week, yep. which is... Three more than we've been doing each week yeah. <laughs> for like the last month. But we'll get we'll we'll get there. I think we're all very um, serious about it and I, want to spend the time and, and get it crunched, get it done, start playing out live and yeah. drop an album. Yeah, definitely. That that is all forthcoming. And if you want to follow along on that journey, you can kind of follow us on social media. Yep. Um, that'll mostly be uh, measure. It's measuring flicks podcast on Instagram. Yep. Um, or actual Max P. Sometimes I, I'm drunk and just post to whichever one comes yeah. up when I open the phone. <laughs> exactly. You can also go to our, uh, what is our Facebook, our, our official Facebook? It's Measuring Flicks. Just straight up, Measuring yep. Flicks. Okay. And then yep. you can also head over to the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash quillandfilm, Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M. We've been dropping demos over there mm-hmm. and uh, and all that sort of stuff. A lot of so, fun noise over there. Yeah, that is a super cool place to uh, to go and follow follow along. So I haven't we haven't talked to you yeah. into a microphone for months and months. It has and been months. a couple of months now. Let's do this really quick. Sure. Can you recommend one movie that you've watched in like the last three months that you think people should check out? I'm gonna do it too, and then we'll start. Okay. So this is a little bit. This movie came out a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. but recently having watched Spider-Man No Way Home kind yeah. of like blew my mind. It's still early yet. I don't want to spoil anything for anyone that might not know spoilers yet, but. That spawned Myself a whole a sp- oh, man, fair. <laughs> Yeah, don't wreck that, this for me, man. So that so that got me going back and rewatching a whole bunch of stuff and like really digging on Spider Man a bunch. So if I were to recommend one movie to anybody, mm-hmm. if you haven't yet had a chance to check out Spider Man into the Spider Verse, it is not only my favorite superhero movie, but it might be my favorite movie like of all time. Favorite movie movie. It may have unseated the last Starfighter. It is perfect. Animated, s- yeah. Animated. Yeah. Okay. And the style of the animation is like this hybrid mix of remember the old like Hobbit cartoon that was yeah. sort of rotoscoped with like live human performances. Yeah, where they're like it's like uh like old old school Disney like painted cell animation. Yeah, yeah so it's okay. kind of like that through like HD rendering with like crazy <laughs> like like modern techniques, but the score, the soundtrack. I'm not a Post Malone fan, but there's like four Post Malone tracks on there that are like fucking bangers. <laughs> and it's just the best origin story ever. And it's a sliver of the multiverse as well. So th- for those that don't know, mm-hmm. the Spider-Verse is actually a pocket multi-dimensional universe within the multiverse itself. Okay. So it's his own... This it's like the branching. Does this come from the comics nothing. because yeah. of all the v- huge variances in like the number of different Spider Men yeah, there exactly. are? Exactly, like Spider okay. Ham shows up in it <laughs> in the movie. Spider Gwen, yeah. Oh fuck, I'm there. Two for different it. Peter Parkers, Peter J. Parker and Peter Parker. Like it's freaking awesome. And then Miles Morales, it's his origin story as Spider Man. That so. introduces the Miles Morales yeah. character. Now is this a canonical film? Is this canon? In it the is MCU? now. Yeah. Because of Loki or No Way Home. Because of. Many things. Don't spoil it. Okay. Bo- both Sorry. of those things. Okay. Yeah. All right. Excellent. But Spider Verse is the first one to introduce the idea of the multiverse to sort of the Marvel fandom in general in the in film 
Mm-hmm. Like it's been done forever in the comic books. Sure, I yeah, mean, yeah. Every ten years, that's they why de- they reboot them. Yeah, every ten years they destroy the universe and start shit over it's again. Too much, but, too much going on. They're like, okay, but now man. they're they're dragging a lot of that stuff from the comic book world back in. So we're gonna end up with Blade and all this kind of other crazy shit. But Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Haven't seen it. Check it out. Highly recommend. That is your. That's your recommend. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I haven't actually watched that many f- movies recently, um, but I've read a lot of books cool. just lately and. Uh, if I had to only pick one, Split Images by Elmore Leonard was one that I read, like the physical copy of. Mm-hmm. It's fucking outstanding. But if I can also throw in an audiobook, Ooh. check out, honestly, any, any of the Bosch books, the the uh, Michael Connolly Bosch books Titus read by Reason. Titus Welliver. Now, there's another guy who reads them too, Dick Hill, and Dick Hill does a fucking great job. He kind of does, in the later books, you can tell that the show's out because he's doing the voices from the television show. From the show. show, oh, that's funny. It's cool because Titus Welliver does them too. You know, like, you're like... How funny is that? Is he doing the voices of his co- What's weird is the ones the, the ones that he reads because a lot of the early ones that the television show is based on mm-hmm. come from the early novels uh, which were already read by Dick Hill. So when Titus Welliver signs oh, cool. on, it's the later stuff. So you get to hear Titus Welliver read Bosch as like a sixty-five and like sixty-eight-year-old man, a retired cop who's now a private detective. See, that's what I can't wait for. I'm loving. You this heard sh- about this, right? The IMDb yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. Okay, we got to talk about something so, else. We'll end up talking about Bosch <laughs> yes. forever. So, uh, for what television show, Daredevil, go back and rewatch that if you haven't. And Bosch, thank you again You're so for welcome. the recommend. You are so welcome. It's Isn't it I'm fucking love great? I'm as well, by me the way. Too. I know, like, you know what's cool is he, both he and, have you got to season five yet? I'm. Uh, that's my my next one. Have you met the long-haired PI the, who works for Ch- uh, Money Chandler yet? No. Don't worry oh, about no, it. Oh, no, I have. Yeah, he was in the last one. Yeah, yeah, the really long yep. hair guy. Yeah, biker kind of dude. And he's well, like, he is a biker in Sons of Anarchy. In season four of Sons of Anarchy, Titus Welliver plays the head of the IR, one of the heads of the IRA. He's like the main bad guy over in Ireland. Dude, a little bit of... A little bit of Sons of Anarchy alum kind of, it was a cool reunion to see them both together. I I was like, you guys were in something else. And I saw it. I saw it. (laughs) All right. But this is a film podcast, not a television podcast, Carl. Grab your joint and some jujubes. (laughs) Seriously. I have a note here. I was like, so grab a marijuana and a movie snack. Just a little ad lib. Mad libs at the beginning. You did did good. You did good for the first one. Thanks, buddy. What do you say, jujubes? I said, yeah, jujubes. I like those. Grab a joint. Rip your fillings right out of your face, but... (laughs) Well, dude, I'm 32. I'm too old for candy now. Most candy is just about to take my back teeth out. Anytime you bring up age on the show, I'm going to slow blink at you. You can slow... Yeah, and now people will see the slow blink that I've been seeing for years now. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I'm like... I woke up this morning, my back hurt. I oh, hate getting it? old. Does it? Yeah, does it? You're across does the. the <laughs> you're like, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Tell me about your fucking back, asshole. <laughs> Is my oxygen gonna interact with these electrical? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just Can you hear that? Is that showing up in the mics? It's really, honestly, it's the it's when you gum your dentures around your mouth when you play with those. <laughs> you gotta stop because the clattering. I can. Yeah. It's kind of that like ASMR, you know. Fix the dent, more like fuck you, Max. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. I had I get, to take. I get those two mixed up all the time. I had to take a kick like fucking Mary Astor kicks it. Oh. Joel Cairo in the film we're about to talk about. So. Oh my God, yes. Carl, let's you and me head off to the pictures. Today we're talking about 1941's The Maltese Falcon. Come closer. I want to talk to you. I'm going to tell you an astounding story. The story of the Maltese Falcon. 
600 years, the falcon has carried the mystery of a fabulous wealth under its grotesque wings. I could tell you a thousand tales of the men and women who have hunted this evil bird. But every story has the same ending. Murder. Listen to these incredible people, all consumed by their passionate greed for the Maltese falcon. What have you ever given me beside money? Have you ever given me any of your confidence, any of the truth? Haven't you tried to buy my loyalty with money and nothing else? What else is there I can buy you with? who I won't play the sap for you. I haven't lived a good life. I've been bad. Worse than you could know. We were talking about a lot more money than this. There are more of us to be taken care of now. Well, that may be, but I've got the falcon. You may have the falcon. We certainly have you. I've taken a lot of riding from you. I'm going to take. Get up and shoot it out. Stop it. The police will be here any minute. Now talk. Oh, how can you accuse me of such a terrible... This isn't the time for that schoolgirl act. We're both of us sitting under the gallows. You know, I think it's actually I did not realize that that would be popping up at the end of that trailer. I think that's really interesting. Um, So this month's theme is private eyes and funny guys. And before we go any further, I should probably explain to people why we picked the movies that we did for this first month of season five. Mm. Um, So one of the things that kind of put the kibosh on season four was in December of last year, my grandma Linda passed away and I had to go and be with my family for that. And you know, we called the show at that point. It was it was a really rough month, and January was pretty hard, too. Mm-hmm. But we decided going forward that one of the things, and you can read a big post that I made about this over on, um, I think I double-posted it on quillenfilmproductions.com and so on uh, that our Patreon. She was, a, my grandma Linda was a librarian, voracious reader. I actually ran into both of the books that these films are based on through her initially and then the other thing that my grandma like absolutely adored her whole life was movies mm. she's the one who got me the criterion channel um first turned me on to cri- the criterion company in the beginning that was wow. her yeah like every every really exceptional classic film that i've ever seen she loved all of those like pre-1950s black and whites it was just her oh, jam yeah. so i decided that for and i talked to you and you were super cool 
um, I decided that it would be a cool way to kick off season five and kind of give us some good juju going forward yeah. to dedicate our first month back to films that my grandma loved. And, I, you know, I was kind of afraid, like I was thinking about it and I, I, I have all these books that from her that, where I've listed movies that she's recommended. I'm like, for one minute, because I like forgot who my grandma was, I was like, oh no, what if they're all like romances, you know? Right. She was like this such a kindly, like this kindly old woman who would always give me tea. I don't want to watch a bunch of like Gone with the Wind and right. garbage like that. No, I know that's a fine movie. Don't don't yell at me, please. <laughs> but um, you don't want to be like Little Women and like yeah. So I went through my list and I was like, I'll you know what I'll do? I'll go to my my DVDs and I'll see which ones my grandma sent me recently and she these were both ones that she gave me for christmas so i'm like okay we've got two humphrey bogart pi flicks and we have uh we've got a charlie chaplin movie coming up we've got a buster keaton film my grandma knew her stuff yeah so we're gonna dig into uh to some of her favorite films and try and do them justice as best we can uh starting with the maltese falcon so this was directed by john houston john houston yes i'm an idiot um, <laughs> so it's, it's okay, man. It's been a minute since we've done thanks, the show. I appreciate it. The Kyle. program is, uh, you know, I really appreciate it. Doesn't Kyle. run itself. So it's directed by John Houston, starring Humphrey Bogart, Mary Astor, Gladys George, Peter Lorre, uh, Barton McShane, Lee Patrick, Sidney Greenstreet, Ward Bond, Jerome Coven, and Elisha Cook Jr. We're gonna circle back to Elisha Cook sure Jr. Sure will. Man, oh man, every... Baby Elijah Cook Jr. in this particular film as well. The youngest we'll ever see him. I believe so. This is like the first time he shows up. They, they, he got sent home from the hospital. They put him in a suit and then Howard yeah. and then John Huston <laughs> filmed him across from Humphrey Bogart. Dude, he really holds his own in this. He really does. Well, especially considering the character he's playing is is so interesting. Oh, yeah. It's so fragile. The kid? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. What's his... Wants to be a gangster so bad. Well, well what is, what is, uh, oh, God, what is it? What is oh, Spade? One of the incredible is... lines that he throws at him. Oh, you mean the hundred thousand? This, okay, the next, we, we've been talking about the second film, and they really kind of are a set. So just so, just so everyone at home knows, the episode two is going to be on The Big Sleep from 1946 with Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. <laughs> and <laughs> I honestly can't pick between these two. If I... These are these movies are so tightly written, man. Like if you laid this movie out end to end and then threw sand at it trying to get something through this script, uh, uh-uh, it's no, a fucking can't. wall. Yeah, these these movies are Carl. Aaron Sorkin is even. I mean, this is like he, you got You gotta know that he went to this and was like. Well, right. he already he writes and like this, an old nineteen forties playwright. I mean, it's all the banter and the quick. There's constantly dialogue and, and the the witticisms that are just oh. so well played out, and right? So like quippy and like smart, but not they're puns, but they're not like it's nothing's a fucking dad joke. Everything is like a tete a tete. Everyone's yes. trying to score like, on everyone else. You know, it's all parry and thrust in the yeah. dialogue. Yeah, it's, they're not hitting you with a hammer. They're putting just the thinnest of needles under your r- for un, sure. Like, under your they're handing you a shot yeah. glass full of poison from yeah. their hip flask, and you're like, I'm gonna. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> but uh, it's it was kind of cool watching these two because in season three, I believe three or four, we did uh, the man who knew too little. Oh no, we did the dead men don't wear plaid. Dead men don't wear plaid. Yes. Right, 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 right. The we man- still need to do the man who knew too little with Bill Murray, <laughs> where he thinks he's in a in a like a like a fake play thing, but he's actually in a conspiracy. Anyway, right, we'll right, get right. To that one, but no, no, no dead, dead men, men don't, don't wear, wear plaid. plaid. Right. One of the cool things about doing these was we've, I'm a, you and I are both huge fans of like old film noir for yes. sure. How can you not be? It is so satisfying. 
to one, hear people like whip like razor sharp barbs back and forth. That's so cool. Rapid two, fire too. There's no slow delivery in any of this shit. You know, I've never really, I'd never really gotten into Humphrey Bogart outside. I've seen like two movies with him mm-hmm. in, and one of them is The African Queen, which I love. It's a fucking amazing movie. I believe yeah. it's your sister's favorite film. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Like watching these movies, I was like, you know, like, okay, I'm gonna let's see what Bogart's all about. He, they've been talking about him since 19 f- fucking 30 Most something. You know, know him from Casablanca. I think is that like if anyone's seen one, it's that. Yeah, yeah. I mean these these two are no slouches, but yeah, Casablanca is one of his big his big famous ones. Yeah, and he's I mean he's across from Catherine Hepburn. He's across from Lauren Bacall and Mary Astor, and it's just it's a never ending stream of like Humphrey Bogart is so famous and he's surrounded. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well let's see what this guy's about. Watching this movie, just this one, mm-hmm. you don't even need to see the next one. But then you watch the next one, and it just hammers the nail like under the wood, dude. Yeah. There's a reason that Humphrey Bogart is talked about and will be talked about forever. And the, I think one of the reasons why he is so good is, especially it's it's present here. I don't want to take anything away from his co-stars here. Sure, but when it's when it's Bogart and Bacall in The Big Sleep, yeah, I have never seen anything like that. Chemistry like that, totally Fucking agree. Doesn't. I don't, I, you name it doesn't doesn't hold up to these. But two. you're right. You're totally right. I know. I when we let's put a pin in that because we'll come sure, back yeah, to definitely. The, partly that's because they're having an affair and they got married like three yeah, months after exactly, that movie wrapped. Dude. But what I'm but your point is is across both of these films. Yeah. You're totally right. Humphrey Bogart can just whip up like immense chemistry with everyone else anyone. that he acts with. His male co-stars his female co-stars and everything in between but especially with the with the dames yes he's got away with something the dames, special there for sure because these dames aren't your typical there's a little bit of that damsel in distress 1930s feminism <laughs> slash toxic masculinity you know, going though, on but these women hold their fucking the own dangerous and they're dangerous like the femme fatale dude so. the women in this in this movie it's pretty awesome to see it is it it was refreshing. Yeah, it's I def- was worried. I was a wee bit worried about oh, it's going to be problematic, and some of it is. It totally is. But the fact that there is so much like gas in the tank for for the it's not just one sided, right? It's let's. Do you want to start with a big picture talk? Because Bird, sure, Bird and it. I were talking about this this morning. Can we, can we do a little? Yeah, you know what? We might first? as well. We it's a we good way to do it. Our so four, four um, fingers of. Uh, brandy. The the uh, the Bogart pour of brandy. It looks like we're doing a science experiment. <laughs> we kind of are. Cheers. Here's to ya. Let's do a little snip. It does. It smells like Ra- a little bit like raisins. I like it actually. Kinda. It's got this isn't bad at all, man. No, no, it's it's opened up you know, a bit. We it's, poured it an hour ago. You know so. what it smells like? <laughs> it smells a little bit like maple syrup, kind of, right? <gasps> you getting that syrupy note? Am I wrong? Am I totally crazy? No, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like a raisiny syrupy. You know, maybe the maybe our problem all along has been people are drinking this out of snifters, and what you actually need to do is drink it out of an unwashed Collins glass like Bogart does. <laughs> Just get a little rocket fuel in your, your drink? Well, never trust your first sip, is what they say. Mm. Actually. Yeah, you got shock the palate. Dude, you did good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm okay with Hartley VSOP I'm, I'm for okay fucking with that. sure. Thank you. Because I bought it and brought it over here. We're not sponsored by me. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Although you are a very superior old pal. Thank, thank you. You're welcome. So fucking old. I, you know, it's again. dude, it's just in the acronym. I didn't I mean to. <laughs> it's what it means. Actually, that's what am not I going to say? What am I going to say? XO? Carl, you're extra old. 
I knew that was Take coming. the VSOP, brother. I'll take the VSOP, baby. Take some VSOP. <sighs> um, yeah, no, okay, let's talk big picture really quick. Sure. Because one thing that I've been doing more in the last couple years is placing films in history. Cool. To, like, what's going on in the world when this movie's coming yeah, out? Yeah, we did that a bit with the, the war pictures from season Oh, uh, 12 O'Clock High. Yeah. Actually, 12 O'Clock High is a perfect example of this. By the way, that movie where we were like, oh my god, this is just a few years out from the war. Holy fucking mm-hmm. shit. This is during the war. Yeah. This is in the fucking, like, 1941. You're in, like, the within four years of the end happening, but we are, World War II is happening right now. And this movie comes out. What's even crazier is the next one comes out the year the atomic bombs drop. Like, so when we talk about these two films, there are stuff that's going to come up. Um, we're going to talk about like how how all how men are like broken and mm-hmm. brooding and damaged and violent. Like a lot of them, a lot of the dudes in these are violent. And that doesn't start with World War Two. There's, you know, bad right. guys going all the way back to wherever. But you have to remember, like. When you look at films like this, we it's it's easy on the show to sit here in, in 2022 and look at the movies and be like, what a fucking crazy world, man. Just the drinking alone. Like, the, honestly. There's never, Bogart's never without a cigarette in his mouth and never a few feet away from a bar cart that has brandy, scotch. He is either drinking something or smoking a cigarette. Yep. All day long, from the time he wakes or up until he goes, beating the go- piss out of somebody or or smooching out a dame, like you know. And it and you know what? Honestly, like he's either he's either killing or beating up a man, yeah, or kissing or hitting a woman, yeah, and drinking and smoking all day. And you're watching the movie and you're like, "Wow, things were kind of heavy. They were a little hectic back then, but things were kind of heavy, man. Yeah, this is World War II. Now, I det- what when you watch the old movies, there is a there is like an era before World War II lands where the hero is good. The hero is always good. You got your white hats, you got your black hats. Right. He's upstanding. He, you know, he has his drink, but there's always that line between the man who has a drink and the sloppy drunk. You know what I mean? The sloppy drunk is always someone we point and laugh at. But but there's a shift but that here happens. It becomes romanticized in a way. I think in a way the introduction of the noirish elements. I know this is going to be gone in like deadly quick, which is good because the bottle's right there. I'm trying to take wee sips because it's actually quite delicious. It's fucking really tasty. And I didn't. The, the maple comes through a little bit in the back the of the palate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you get through the booziness up front, but it's actually not as as burning mm. as I had expected for what I paid for it. What was it like? It was probably eight dollars for that half gallon. <laughs> Uh, eight, eighteen ninety nine for that for that handle. It's a deal, listener. Go and get you some. Beep. Not until they sponsor us. No, not until they sponsor us. <laughs> um, but when you, I think there's a shift in film. We we've, we've talked about this in horror, where horror films reflect the the fears and what do you say? I'm seeing Lorna. Oh, she's going for the bottle. Don't worry about it. Okay, fair. <laughs> Better the bottle than the cords. Yeah, yeah. There's a but they. They explore, like, the fears and anxieties of any given culture, right? Mm-hmm. Or a society in a specific moment in time. I think to some extent all art does that. And I think it's really interesting that you start to see the emergence of the best of the best of film noir show up around the World War II. I think you you go from this sort of, like, masculine exceptionalism where, like, the heroes are strong men who don't crack and they always do what's right. And we, to some extent, we get a little bit of that here with, with the uh, the Sam Spade character at the end when he's talking to Mary Astor and she's like, I thought you were on my side. And he's like, don't put too much don't stock be, in yeah. that crooked act. You know, it doesn't get you too far. He even says it again in the next movie where he's like, 
being honest doesn't pay too far in this business. Right. So you put up a front and kind of act like a crook so people will uh, trust that you can behave as such. Exactly. But both of these both of these detectives, which are completely different characters, which is really interesting, have some yeah. kind of weird, screwed up, fucking damaged morality and principle that they follow no matter mm-hmm. what. I would say that Sam Spade is a little bit he he toes the line a little bit more than Philip Marlowe on that sort of edge of darkness. You think so? I do. I think I think that Marlowe has perfected his his um, his walk where Sam Spade is still dipping his toes in both pools and isn't really sure where that line is, where Marlowe has figured out where the line is and knows how to walk it perfectly. Interesting. Yeah, that was my read anyway. Okay. And have you have you read either of the books? I haven't, no. We sh- I guess we should say this film is based on a book by Dashiell Hammett. It's called The Maltese Falcon. This film is actually one of the originators of the MacGuffin. Do you know what the MacGuffin is? It's the thing that everybody's after. It runs the story. It's the reason the picture exists. But is itself totally uninteresting totally and uninteresting pointless. pointless. Yep, okay, good. So yep. this film, if you, I was trying to explain what to Bird this morning what the MacGuffin was, and I said exactly what you said. I'm like, it's whatever every, everyone's after, but the audience doesn't care about. It's That's Maltese the Maltese Falcon. It's yeah. the Maltese Falcon. And it turns out to be an actual MacGuffin. If you look up the MacGuffin online, or just look up M-A-C-G, like MacGuffin, a picture of the Maltese Falcon pops How up. Yeah, man, the, this is the perfect fucking example of of a MacGuffin. It's it's the microfiche in in a spy movie. Yes. You don't care what's on the microfiche. You just want to see the spies try to get it, you know? Um but before I before so I who jump killed off, Kennedy, you wouldn't believe it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't honestly mind that much because I just got to watch the adventure of you finding it. Exactly. But before we jump into the the show notes. Yes. I think it's really interesting that that this these movies in a way start to show us damaged men who are good hard men who are violent but also gentle you s- yeah. so noir when, when you say like film noir it a lot of people think detectives but it actually is just a, a type of story in which nobody gets what they want by the end everybody is corrupt and crooked and bent well, it's, everyone's it's a little black. bad yeah yeah exactly so. so everyone's like a little screwed up and skewed there's lots of like Deception and things and at the end Everyone loses that's the hallmark Of any noir film There's most of them tend to Lean into the gumshoe detective Two great tastes that Taste great together honestly it's a marriage Made in heaven there's this great um there's this great book called the uh, the best American noir or best yeah the best American noir of the century or whatever by Otto uh, edited by Otto Penzler and when you read that there's only like three detective stories in the whole thing everything else is just about like sad sacks trying to pull a con or right. pulling off a robbery or a wife trying to kill her husband and everyone loses in the end you know who's done some modern noir that you wouldn't consider because they're in color and of different. Um, story types is like Woody Allen tends to lean into noir because no one gets what they want. Wow! It's usually like everything from like the 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 one where they try to they, there's a cookie shop and they're trying to like dig underneath to get into the yeah bank. yeah that but nothing but they all fail they all fail. Maybe there's also an element of tone. <laughs> a tone as <laughs> you know, well, because like, that's very funny. Yeah, it's right? got it might it have to, to have a little, a little tone, right. Yeah. It might have to have a little bit of cold to it. Sure. Anyway, let's. Let's dig into the film. Yeah. The opening dialogue. Actually, 
in both of these, huge amounts of the dialogue are just pulled straight from the pages. Like it feels that way, and it it works when you're working with when you when you're working off of Dashiell Hammett's book, like the 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 forefather of all modern mm-hmm. like PI like like uh, he's where the whole like. She walked into my office, tall, beautiful, and poured into a dress. Dashiell Hammett's where it starts, and for me, Raymond Chandler is where it hits its Perfects peak. It. Raymond Chandler, in my estimation, is the all-time great of detective fiction. There is no one on earth, Michael Connelly included, and I love Michael Connelly's books. I've read six of them this month. <laughs> it's all, dude, it's a lot. But you don't get better than Raymond Chandler, and it's because of his dialogue. Yeah, and he gets some of his dialogue from Dashiell Hammett, who predates him slightly. Fair. You know what's great about knowing that most of the dialogue is ripped directly from the source material is that's not always the case. Even if you have a great book, and the and the dialogue that you're reading in the book is spot on for what you're reading. Like Stephen King, for example, when you're when you're reading Stephen King and and a conversation in the pages. We that doesn't about necessarily translate well to the big screen. Right. You've got to massage it a little. You have to give different <laughs> types of context because you don't have all the information. When you're reading a book, you have all the information. Right, you have right, perfect right. information. You're inside their head. When you go into film world, you need to massage that, change it, and update it for that new medium. Right. The fact that the dialogue is so concise and perfect and also portrays the internal workings of what they're trying to accomplish without having to read the oh, dude. the liner notes or the or the you know that that third person it's fucking incredible. Yeah. The dialogue gives you that. These both of these feel like a play. No it's, oh sorry go um, Oh yeah. Well is it and that and that's what also for me makes both of these movies feel very much like like we're watching a stage play, a stage drama, but just because the tightness of the dialogue. Did you notice that even though, I, you know what? We're just gonna we're just gonna always have the big sleep in the back pocket because sure. you gotta just know it's coming. Well, these two are big. They are. They're like it's the same lead, same genre. We watched them. I watched both of them today. I watched the Maltese Falcon fucking again this morning around seven a.m. and then I watched. I was gonna then I watched Daredevil. <laughs> I get it, but <laughs> dude, I mean honestly, you could flip a coin. Take, Seriously. take your pick. Um, but one of the things I think is really cool about... I have no idea what my point was. It's not important. No, what were we talking about? I threw you off with Daredevil. A bit, yeah, because I started thinking about Daredevil. What were we talking about? Doesn't matter. Oh, oh, we're talking about two film noir films. You made me sweat a little. Oh my God, this fucking brandy. I know. <laughs> so, take a drink, listener. I just took my coat off. Now you can see. Hey, now see? you can play along at home. Every time I strip a layer or put a layer on... I realize that I can't. Yeah, because you have you've got copy. He has a lawsuit a, on his chest. I have a lawsuit, but a very giant. But one of the one of the hallmarks of this genre is the voiceover. So much so that Ridley Scott uses it in Blade Runner and then strips it out because Harrison Ford phoned it in. <sighs> but it's really interesting that when when you think of like a crime noir, I just did it. She walked into my office. You know, like there's there's Blade all Runner the, is a noir film. Totally, they're it's neo noir. Any they they call and these are not. These are actually true noir. Neo noir films are anything that was made after like 1950 that retroactively interrogates or criticizes the noir genre. That. So I know it's pretty fucking awesome. We've done some of them in the past, but yeah, the Blade Runner movies are a perfect example. Um I think it's interesting that these movies don't use that and yet we get all the information that we need from the dialogue, and you get a shocking amount of necessary information from physical actions, furtive eye gestures. Mm-hmm. Like, 
we 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 always well, it was our first episode ever as we were talking about Daniel Day Lewis's eye acting. You remember? And there for will like, be blood. Yeah, exactly. Our second because our first was Bronson, That's but that right. one had like a shitload of eye acting in it too because it's Tom Hardy. It's Tom Hardy, and it's mostly but eye dude, acting. Like I've had some trouble in the last couple seasons finding like eye acting, hand acting, like those little kind of like micro business acting and like really in like really top tier facial expression acting. You can get. There's good actors, but then there's other, there's actors that can like, it's almost like like flopping your dick out, you know, like, like like Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, Vincent. He D- can make it. Sorry, again, I'm gonna Daredevil. Bring Daredevil. <laughs> Him as Kingpin, he can make just his lower eyelid twitch. Quiver. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, what the f- dude? You know fuck? that it's just these guys sitting in front of their mirror for hours, being make like, it it's not that muscle. Nope. It's mm, not mm-hmm. that one. Oh, there it is. Now nope. and the, oh, I lost it. Nope, that's too much. That, that's too gotta much. Gotta take a break. They're getting tired. Yeah, you go downstairs and you say and go back. Dedication, man. It's craft. So the similar things are happening here. Bogart's grin, Bogart's wolfish oh, that's grin. Big sleep. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The, the big, big sleep. His, the earlobe. His tick when he's thinking. In this one, he it's his nose. Yeah. He he's got that. He always puts his hand up. Now I'm gonna cover my mouth over the mic but he puts his he does he covers his face he puts his hand up and his finger on the opposite nostril to cover his mouth and then he draws it he down kinda, it's also the sign of an alcoholic too he's constantly sort of rubbing his lips right and then he'll roll a cigarette because he has to get something in his mouth and then he'll find the next the bar habit yep and get himself when, a when drink. he doesn't have either one he's doing that and it's typically when he's thinking or under pressure you know honestly i was just trying to think in my head i'm like does anyone in either of these movies turn down a drink at any point Never. ever? No. If someone's like, you want a drink? Yeah. Well, no, once. Well, the what? big sleep in the bookshop, He's she's like, Dan, do you want a drink? He's like, actually, I've got some rye whiskey in my pocket I right here. I brought my own. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hashtag life goals. I lo- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, always have a pretty decent rye in your hip yeah. pocket so you can bang a hot bookstore owner if, you, if the opportunity arises. With your wife's permission. Bird, I'll text Clearly. you first. Um... There's something that I love about old noir that I was thinking about. We start right out the gates. Effie Perrin walks into to Samuel Spade's office. Sam Spade is sitting back there. First thing we see him do, by the way, is the roll a cigarette. desk lighter, too. That- Ronson. Now, that is a pre-war Ronson touch-tip desk lighter. Carl, did I look this Can up because I one? wanted to buy How one? How do we get one? Well, you just you just send, a, send someone $625. Yeah, they don't make them anymore. And, uh, well, I didn't think that they They're did. all, dude. They're Smoking s- is not good for you. Let's just completely like take the movie and throw it in the trash and sidebar on how fucking cool that lighter is, though. Like, what the fuck? Amazing. I ha- I Bridget O'Shaughnessy this- has one in her hotel room, too. That's how she lights her smoke. Yep. Two touch-tip lighters. Probably the same one, honestly. Probably. They're like, we ain't got enough money for this. They- These things cost $1.25. Well, they look great on film. Amazing. And it's like a character moment. And it's just fucking incredible. It's good business. Yeah, it's great business. Because all the smoke rolling and smoke rolling, you know what I mean? I mean... It's all that great bit of business. This the this movie... I'll, now I'll try and keep it here because honestly, you can say all this... You can basically say all the same things about Big Sleep just in like a slightly different direction. Sure. But in this movie, like watching... The cigarettes are a great idea because... You got you got Sam Spade rolling himself smokes all the time, and he's rolling cigarettes for different reasons, and you that comes across in how he's rolling them, how much time and attention he makes in rolling them, and whether or not someone else rolls for him. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning, he's rolling a cigarette because he's relaxing and he's bored, and then he, you know, uh, 
you you got a new client. Her name's Wonderly, and she has three fake names. It's Wonderly LeBlanc, but her real name is O'Shaughnessy. O'Shaughnessy, yeah. So yeah, uh, which to the point where I get lost in both. To be completely honest with you, I'm a pretty take a drink. S- uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, we can play too. Hmm. Yeah. Um, fuck was I saying uh you were saying to be totally honest there's so many names do you get a little oh, so I'm a pretty smart person I can read a book and sure. figure it out yeah 30 names 40 names a bunch of things happening I get lost in both of these movies because they're so they 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 don't treat the audience like they're stupid they're yes. like you we're gonna show you this story and we're gonna give you all the information that you need yes Enough to where you could probably figure it's like Agatha Christie. She gives you enough information that by the last 20 pages, right. you should have it figured out. Yes. But there is so much shenanigan going on in this <laughs> shit. So many people double crossing. There's three fake names for what the person who's at the airport, who's getting who. And you got threads everywhere. And the, thing you, the, the hardest thing is everybody's lying all the yes. fucking time. You are never. You, you're never certain of what anyone is telling you. And you can you have to keep the lies in your head so that you can cross them off or verify their information as the film progresses. And what's fantastic about this is Sam Spade. You can see him doing yes. that through the entire movie. Dude, I've never seen such consistency in a performance. Like, when Sam Spade catches someone in a lie, partly to be, you gotta give the script its due. Oh, absolutely. Partly it's because this script is fucking watertight, dude. It's like, they kept track of the th- all those threads you're talking about. You can, they probably had a board, you know, and they're like, oh, absolutely. here's what she said, here's what really happened, here's how Sam Spade discovered either that it did or was temporarily fooled until later he did. So the great thing about this movie in particular is, this has happened in, in other more modern movies for me too, but I end up feeling frustrated and lost. Yeah, and like I'm just I'm upset because I don't know what is happening. Sure. And I, I feel like I'm just lost at sea. The brilliant thing about this is the same thing is happening, but I'm like thrilled that it is happening. That I. I'm so fucking engaged yes. that I don't like what is happening. You get so lost that you start like paying the fuck attention. But I trust what's happening enough to know that I will be told eventually. Right, right. Where in a less tight film, I don't I don't trust it enough to sure. like get me there eventually. Right. You're like I feel like Brick and Knives Out are two good examples of modern like sort of mysteries that that do I agree. keep you sort of lost at sea, but you're fine with it because you, Ryan Johnson will fucking take care of you. Same director in both. Yeah, I've never seen Knives Out. Brick is one of my favorite neo noir films of all time. Yeah, it's outstanding. I'm like ninety percent sure they're both. I know for sure Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. Now I'm half guessing myself. I think you're on right Brick, about Brick, though. Yeah. I remember me and Connor Sweeney. Yeah, that's your last name, terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. But uh, but that's <laughs> there's a big difference between having so many threads and just being completely lost and like the fuck the fuck is even going on right, and be right. like what the fuck is going on if you don't have faith in the filmmaker yeah. that is so frustrating when you do have faith in the cast and the filmmaker when the film has shown you that it is earning your confusion yep. it just becomes compelling yeah one of my that's f- just enough eyes along the way to be like. Okay, dude, you were talking. You were talking earlier about all like all those different threads, and Agatha Christie gives you enough clues that you can solve it mm-hmm. too. And I do feel like in this movie, you can kind of figure some stuff big out. Big sleep, no, because the big thing is kept pretty well. There's two cuts of big sleep, but we'll talk about that 
next uh, next time on yeah. measuring flicks but it, it's interesting the theatrical cut was released in 1946 We're talking about big sleep here really quick mm. so that was released in 46 that's the one both you and i have watched probably repeatedly at this point and it's kind of it kind of like is not entirely non-linear but it like jumps around and we yeah. see lots of different stuff happen lots of locations there was a pre-release of this movie that was cut in 1945 and that is this, apparently I haven't yet watched this cut. We'll probably do that for the Patreon, or maybe, maybe I would love to watch. I'll watch this movie five more times this month. Just it, come on over, bro. We'll yeah. just we'll just pour ourselves eight fingers and of we'll, brandy. We'll and do, <laughs> let's let's bang out some suede Rambo for an hour and then sit and watch a big sleep. Yeah, I'm fucking a hundred percent down for that, dude. And then play some Arkham Horror because that the, also feels kind of <laughs> detective appropriate. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll both play Roland Banks. <laughs> No, you get Skids and Roland. It's like the perfect... Good point, good point. Yeah. So, okay, Skids O'Toole is Philip Marlowe, yes. and, and Sam Ro- Spade is Roland Banks. Banks, 100%. I totally agree with you. I'm glad we're of a mind. But I was going to say about the clues in this, one of the things that I love most is, in a lot of other movies, the clues will be like, I found this bloody gun in a bucket of blood. Mm-hmm. I wonder what this could mean. A fingerprint. Let's do forensics. There's something that is lost, I think. I mean, not in the real world. In the real right. world, we're like, thank fuck there's forensics. Now we can find people's killers. Absolutely. But there is something lost with all the science. It is easy in like a cop drama to get bogged down in, did we get the test results back? Did we get the test results back? There's something about not being able to run someone's fingerprints, not being able to like GPS someone's cell phone where you have to be a fucking wolf. You have to be a bloodhound. You use your intuition yes. and your guts yes. and your wits. Yes, it's more about following the trail of who is the last person they talked to rather than whose fingerprints are these you're following the breadcrumbs of actual people and locations and connections and relationships rather than under a microscope or a, a, some sort of fbi database don't you're, laugh at me what i just i just finished listening to the burning room by michael Connolly, the yeah. 15th book in the bosch series and bosch is i'm listening to them like all out of order doesn't matter no, you can totally follow along they're time capsules pretty right? much they H-word. reference other books sure. and then but it's kind of fun to like bump into those yeah, yeah, yeah. as you go like, oh. hey they talked about that in blah 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 but in the burning room bosch says something about that give, give me one more cheers brother but they're <laughs> satisfying right but bosch even says that there's this pair of detectives who probably didn't run down leads because they're always waiting on the science they work their cases from Holy their murder shit. books so he they sit there and read reports and do their it's work that way book the whole time. but what's taped to the side of bosch's desk go get knock o- on doors get off your ass and go knock, knock on, on doors. doors that's that fucking i'm Sam so happy Spig- that i know that it's there it's there for like all the seasons but it's there for a reason because that is his how mentality you- it's that old school 1930s, 1940s. You know, fucking Bosch watched Dude. The Big Sleep and said, I want to be that when I grow up. And, um, but then his, because his mom is a prostitute, <laughs> like, he's like, <laughs> while he's like in the, the boys' home getting tortured and well, sleeping in the furnace room. Well, in yeah. the, uh, uh, in, they actually t- talk about that in, um, do they really? The Crossing, another oh, Michael Connolly Bosch. <laughs> Like exactly, they talk about exactly that. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, but like but I love because you see it here done in in such beautiful detail. T- totally, and, it's cool to see to see. Like honestly, the, both of these guys they don't do a lick of paperwork. They're not doing surveillance photos. What these guys are doing, I have a note about it in in my show notes for next week. But this detective Sam Spade here, they. He keeps the pressure on always. Mm-hmm. If someone rocks him back on his heels, like if he's surprised, and they 
they repeatedly. do he just we all but murder him three different times he just immediately like goes right back like if someone steps him back he steps this right is your last back warning up. spade stay off it oh fuck yeah dude yeah. like every time the kids like you keep riding me they're gonna be picking lead out of your liver know, the gaudy or the the cheap of the crook the gaudy of the patter yeah oh my like, god <laughs> you know he like constantly busts that kid's balls that what makes him fucking cry. I don't want to rush it. I don't want to rush it, but we're going to get to the it's moment where Elisha best, Cook Jr. starts fucking rolling best, tears. Because like, you see it happening get over on the course of the entire movie. He get, keeps kicking him in the nuts dude, until he just the, maybe the, neuters him. Honestly, maybe the best moment in this whole movie is get on your feet. I've taken all the, all the riding from you I'm going to take. Get up and shoot it out. Yeah. And he's rolling fucking he's rolling tears, tears, dude. You're like... Because you feel it. I don't like that. I don't like him. Why would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not meant to. You're not meant to. But in that moment, I'm just like, holy shit. It adds so much depth to that character. Just his choice to let, to keep his face impassive. I feel like he was, he couldn't go to war and he regrets not being able to go. Like, I don't know. He's like 16. Okay, fair enough. In this, I think he's, they keep calling him the kid. The kid, I don't know how old he is here, but given that he does work, by the way, the movies that we know him from, from season two are the big ones are the house on haunted hill yep with vincent price where he plays the ghost, in ghost this house. <laughs> just drink it and he's ghost. he spends the whole movie bogarting it dude he's yep. just sitting there next to the decanter just blasting scotch like a motherfucker like the whole movie and then the other one 1978's messiah of evil when he's yep. sitting in the hotel room and he's like he tells the story of the mother pulled me out from yep. between her legs bloody little thing Papa wanted to feed me to the chickens. Or no, Mama wanted to feed me the chickens. But Papa said, might be nice to have a boy around. Like, bro, yep. that's that's this guy. And we're watching him at like, you know, 19 years old. Incredible. Toe to toe, acting with Humphrey Bogart. Slays it. Yeah. Crushes it. He He's, is so unbelievably point, fucking I mean, good in this. Can you imagine being even a seasoned actor? There's, there are some scenes where you would be one in a room of six incredibly gifted just oh, the, the end the end yeah exactly <laughs> yes! like the 12 angry men scene yes <laughs> like holy dude shit. when you yeah. my balls would just be soaked the, like one of the things God. that makes this movie i'd 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 much rather get wet and shot here get wet in here <laughs> whatever he right, says yeah. in the next one but like dude there's so many moments in this where i'm watching like the reason these are good partly is everyone involved in them, top to bottom, is exceptional at their jobs. Mm-hmm. Cast, like, the cast in this is unfucking real. Even bit players, mm-hmm. like, bring the thunder in a way that you do the not. The cabbie that has, oh, I go on two blocks. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you don't always see that in these movies. Yeah, honestly, there is, there are, like, just people who are like, you know, oh, good evening, sir. And you're just like, believed it. Believed it. Believed it. Just. Oh. I believed it was night. I believe you were giving him a salutation. This is I not a soundstage. <laughs> That's the real Golden Gate Bridge. That's not a car driving on Dude, a stage. I love when they like pan the camera down and the Golden Gate Bridge like doesn't move enough yeah. for it to really not be a map painting. But you're like, that is one of the best That's map paintings I've ever map seen. Ever, it ever. looks like the fucking Golden Gate Bridge. Watch. Someone's going to be like, well, um, actually, actually, it was the Golden Gate Bridge. They shot on location for three of the shots and uh, they intercut those shots. In to make I'm not n- insulting you. I'm insulting the person who typed no, that and I sent am, it to I us. I am insulting you. Yeah, well, Carl's talking to that asshole, but yeah. you, 
I can see you, you out there. It's no, fun to camp there. You. It's fun to have that, isn't is it? That th- it's on this side, right? I think it's. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get used to it eventually. I forgot I was there for a second. Um, one of the things that I like best about this genre in general is we don't waste a single fucking second on backstory. No. These movies start in Medias Res. The client walks in, they lay out their problem, the detective gets on the shit, right? And the co-detective gets murdered. Promptly. <laughs> like within seconds. Immediately. All right, go get on the case. <laughs> what, he's dead? Fuck, take his name off the door. Like, that's there's a lot that there's happens. Miles, you mind going over to the hotel and shadowing a guy? Yeah, sure, Spade. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to. Hey, is Miles, is Miles called in yet? No, he was murdered. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not waste time changing the names on the door. Scrape, 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 yeah, scrape, scrape, I, I scrape, know, scrape. he comes back from like viewing his partner's body and he's like, listen, Effie, could you get that fucker's name off my dog? Daniel, that was like the, the only 10 minutes of this movie that Danielle happened to be in the house and she's like, God damn it, that's fucking cold. I'm like, yeah, I know. Well, dude, I love, that's, that's another interesting thing. And this is, this is, okay, it's a two-pronged thing because this is one of the hallmarks of the genre is me, like tough hard men who are cruel to each other mm-hmm. don't show emotion bottle it up inside and when yep. their emotion does come out it expresses itself pretty In, violently yeah. i love how callous spade is about archer when he's at the murder scene and the detective's like it's a shame that archer that archer i'm just doing bogart for yeah, everybody so i'm gonna be like it's a shame uh, archer went out that way you know, uh, he must have had some good points. Because everyone kind of talks about how, like, Archer's, like, up. a little bit of a piece of shit, but you know? But also, Speed's fucking his wife, so, like, well... Because no one's good in these no movies. No one is good. But as but I love that cop, that beat... Well, it's not the beat cop. It's one of the detectives who shows up That's later. That's right. Yeah. Don't, don't crowd me. Don't crowd me. And everyone's named Sam in my head, too, but yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he walks away, and he's like... He's like, uh, you know, he must have had some... Archer must have had some good points, and Bogart just kind of like looks down the hill and goes, "Yeah, I guess so." Walks away. He's like, "I mean, not really." Not Did really. you know him? Guy was a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I worked with him for twenty years. Dude was a piece of shit. His wife uh, doesn't doesn't even like him. No, yeah, I mean, later on when he's in uh, 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 Bridget Wonderly LeBlanc O'Shaughnessy's O'Shaughnessy, yes, apartment. Yes. And she's like, she asks him uh, about, yeah, there he goes. Um, she finds out Archer was, well, I mean, okay. Seriously, though, listener, I'm not fucking around. Mega spoilers. This is a detective movie we're talking about, and I'm about to s- reveal the killer, okay? I'm going to give you three more seconds to bail if you want to watch this, and I cannot recommend. Three, two, one, go. Three, two, one, go. When we fight, I mean, she killed Archer. Yes. It's Bridget O'Shaughnessy. She fucking murked that guy. With her boyfriend's Sam Webley. knew from pretty much Jump Street too. Almost, that it was her. I mean, he needed a little bit. He needed to put some time, stuff together. His, but it was earlier than than. Well, how many times we, does he go? You are a liar. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fine. We didn't believe you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you paid us enough more that we didn't care that we didn't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, right on. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> oh, by the way, when you see like a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, you're like. These guys are going like bending over backwards for 100, 100 bucks. bucks. That's like ten thousand dollars or something. Twenty five dollars is three hundred and sixty dollars. Really? Yes. So when she sets, to, so 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 it's th- about a thousand bucks. So you could you could say it's about more than that. Three, really? So three. If you think about it, it's it's three fifty. Oh nine. Seven hundred. Yeah. yeah. So it's like twelve hundred bucks, right? 
what is it? Three fifty. I get hundred dollars a day and 14. plus expenses. Whatever. So, so she put in that first shot. She put down twenty eight hundred dollars on their desk, and they were like, "Yeah, that's we'll go shadow a guy." Archer, go get killed for that. That's a decent amount of cash, dude. Well, yeah, because you could buy a home for like ten grand back dude, then. When or whatever. I was watching. <laughs> Literally, I mean, what are you talking about? Like a seven-bedroom, six-bath, yeah. uh, mansion. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, we're gonna put down the down payment. What is it, seventy? Okay. I think. Let me scrape it together. We can put together seventy. I think. You just uh, you hawk some of those diamonds we found. Someone not threw 70, away in the street. Not seventy k. Seventy dollars. Yeah. <laughs> seventy. I can get seventy. My God, you'll never believe what I just saw at the at the casino. This woman bet fourteen thousand dollars, and you're like, so. And then you do the math and You're you like, go, that's 288,000. No, it, yeah. Just over a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, she just she drops a quarter of a mil. It's weird watching old movies because you're like, why is he working for 25 bucks a day? And then you're yeah, like, yeah. that's a fucking lot of money, man. That's yeah. like. <laughs> that gets your expenses plus some walking around money. Right, right. Uh, I, uh, oh, did you see? Speaking of. At the beginning, when they're all, when she's given them the runaround and yeah. her big bunch of sidestep and bullshit. So let's just to back up for one minute. The actual whole thing is she is trying to get the Maltese Falcon, correct? And she's gonna do whatever she can to get it because she believes it's made of like solid gold and worth four billion dollars. Or whatever. I'm gonna watch the clock on there out of the corner of your eye. I'm gonna try and lay out what the actual events of the film are or what's okay. going on. So what's going on? Is there's this Maltese Falcon, which is a treasure from the Knights Templar, which is worth untold fortunes. On the low end, a million dollars. Minimum, a million. High end, there is no high end. It could be immeasurable, yeah. Um, So everyone involved in in this movie is trying to get their hands on that bird. And it's been painted in black enamel, so you can't tell how much it's worth. It just looks like a statuette. So there's this the, the fat man named Gutman. Gutman is this like career crook who's been looking for the Maltese Falcon for 17 years. He's our Belloc, kind of. He is our Belloc, which is interesting you say that, by the way, because it's a Webley 455 that Miles is shot with. That's Indiana Jones's gun. Fucking crazy. So, anywho, um, Gutman is he employs a couple of lower level criminals to try and help him recover the Falcon. And that would be Joel Cairo, played by the fucking brilliant peter laurie if you only know peter laurie as yes master dude there is so much more to this guy he's so unbelievably good in this like when he's you are pleased to clasp your hands behind your neck i intend to search your offices that whole scene i'm just like there's a reason i get it i understand Mm -hmm. peter laurie now yeah as a kid you see the yes master and you're like wow peter laurie and then you get older and you watch his like legit acting and you're like huh yeah. Oh, you yes, your voice is slightly odd, but you're a genius. Yes. <laughs> and the the voice works for you yes, too. It does. It's like Bogart. It's like It's the whole package it's with It's like him. Lauren Bacall's voice. Hmm. Lauren Bacall's voice just causes spontaneous orgasm in me it every does. time I hear it. It's it's it, I actually I'm sore. I'm like physically sore just from hearing her go, Hello. Ooh, I know, right? Anywho, that's neither here nor there. Right. But it is part of the story. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Lorre causing spontaneous. Right. I intend to search your offices. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a drop, a droplet. But uh, so 
so he employed uh, Mr. Gutman employed Joel Cairo, the kid whose name is Wilmer. That's played by he's played by Elijah Cook Jr. That's his like muscle, his yep. like street thug gunman guy. He always carries two nineteen uh, elevens in his pocket. Kind of the enforcer. Yeah. I, as soon as I saw those guns, I was like, I have to get one. Mm-hmm. I have to get a nineteen eleven. Mm-hmm. I just want one so bad. Um, and then also uh, Bridget O'Shaughnessy, who's working with I can't remember his name. Who's the guy there? It's an F name, right? The guy that they first start out yes. shadowing. He doesn't live very long. No, he never no, shows he, up. Yeah, even exactly. Once. But Thursby. Thank you, Thursby. So uh, Bridget O'Shaughnessy is dating this other crook who's working for Gutman called Thursby, and the two of them somewhere in Istanbul, Russia, discover s- that discover the Falcon and steal it for themselves. Put it on a ship. Put it on a ship and send it to the United States. So the Falcon is out of everyone's hands. No one's got it and no one knows where it is or what the circumstances are except Gutman knows that O'Shaughnessy knows something. Something. So he's trying to track her down. So when she shows up at Sam Spade's office, she's actually trying to buy a little bit of protection from Gutman. But also trying... Because she knows shit's about to come to a head with this thing showing up and Thursby knowing more than she right. does. And or she... Or doesn't trust him either. Well, no. She wants to She wants to rub him out of the yeah, picture exactly. so that she can get the Falcon for herself because right. she is a backstabbing so connive... Crooked. They are greasy Ugh. as fuck, dude. Everyone is just like wicked evil fucks. Yeah. It's amazing. Including Spade, like, to some tiny yeah. degree. It's... But he's... But he's not. He's but he's got that little sliver of darkness that World War II starts putting yep. in all of the movies that come out yep. in the 40s. But so it's so it's kind of genius actually. She goes to Sam Spade to hire him to Oh, my sister's been dating this horrible man named Thursby. There's no sister. O'Shaughnessy's dating Thursby. Yes. And she's she's been whisked away by him and he's already married and my father's trying to get him back. And you just see Sam Spade sitting there with that yeah, little like mm-hmm. that little grin on his face, like, sure, sure, just talk as long as you want. I got a full cigarette here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Um, so what she wants, she tells him this at the end, is Archer, Miles Archer, the Spade's partner, volunteers to go and shadow Thursby to allegedly to track him back to the sister. And get the sister, sister back. back to o- right. O'Shaughnessy. However, what her real plan is, is she's hoping that either Miles will get shot by Thursby and die, in which case she can pin Miles' murder on Thursby and take him out of the picture, or Miles will kill Thursby and then she'll be the only one who knows where the Takes Falcon is. Takes care of that. Either way, some ends are taken care of. Yes. yes. She, either way, she can take Thursby off the board and get the Falcon to herself. However, right. neither of those scenarios plays out. So she goes to Thursby, and this is how this is what really happens, and we don't find this out till the end of the movie. She goes to Thursby and borrows a, his gun and kills Miles Archer. Shortly after that, Gutman has shown up in town and gotten Elisha Cook Jr., Wilmer, the kid. Plugs Thursby. Plugs Thursby. So now Thursby is See, off the board. Where starts, that's where the, the, the plate spinning starts yes. to go fucking crazy. Like, what? Because we find out the night Miles Archer yeah. died, that the person who he was shadowing also died, like, Min- moments yeah. later, you know? So you're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> and she plugged Archer. Yes. Yeah, Bridget, well, Osho- as, soon O'Shaughnessy. As, o- as soon as O'Shaughnessy figured out that the, they, they weren't going to take care of each other, Miles wasn't going to take out Thursby, and Thursby wasn't going to kill Miles, she killed Miles, and before she had a chance to do anything about Thurs- Thursby, Gutman took him out. 
but she didn't know that. So she had no fucking idea who killed Thursby. So she's she thinks it's Joel Cairo once he right, pops once back he pops up on up, the like, scene. Oh, shit. And what's interesting, too, is when they have their meeting up in Sam Spade's office later on, the three of them, the yes. uh, O'Shaughnessy, Cairo, and Spade all sit down. She doesn't know that Cairo's working with Gutman. She thinks that everyone's an independent contractor right now, but he's actually there as sort of a representative of Gutman. Right. I think the other way, and the movie actually doesn't make it clear whether he's working for Gutman the whole time or gets employed later after he finds out because it's O'Shaughnessy who reveals that Gutman's in town. Right. Well, who could have, you know, like, who's the boy? And the boy is, of course, Gutman's gun. That's the kid. But like, there's a boy outside. Oh, no, I I didn't see him. Yeah, I'm aware of him. Don't worry about it. And she goes, you know, the fat man could be in town. Gutman. Yeah. Cairo's response is kind of ambiguous. He could be feigning surprise. Sure. Like, that could change things for all of us. Maybe he didn't know. And once he knew Gutman was in town, he decided to throw his hat back in the ring and get back on Gutman's good right. graces. Or he could have been caught off guard because fucking he kid isn't hiding himself very well. Right. He's not remaining hidden. He's being very obvious. So about... it, it could be that Cairo doesn't <sighs> Cairo doesn't know that Gutman's in town, but once he sees there's armed muscle on now the scene, now I have to go and ally myself with this strong man. Increase your odds of at exactly. least surviving this shit and getting some he's like profit a, on the He's deal. like a pilot fish or whatever they're called. He yeah. wants to get with the big fish so that he doesn't get crushed if it was only him he knows he could handle it but knowing the fat man's in town changes the f- things exactly okay the fat man has finally caught up maybe i throw in either or, way it's an interesting like and it's something else thread it's something else for way. sam spade to figure out right i just they just heap it on him um so early on i wanted this is a little goof a little goofy gaff did you get a little splashy sploosh i have a drinking problem there's a <laughs> We have problem drinking. Yeah. There's a uh, there's a goof. Now, I don't know if it's a goof or what, but there's a moment where Miles Archer, when he first comes in and he's got a cigarette, he is just lit it outside the door, and he's got the match in his hand still. And he comes over, and he, he slowly drops his hand to his side, and it's on the camera side, but there's nothing he can do about it. And it's just still in the screen, and he goes, oink! And he throws the match on the carpet backwards. It's so fucking funny, man. Every, Did not catch that. Every time I see it, I'm like, Chucks a match on the floor. Just no wonder Spade was like. There were so many more fires back then. Scrape his fucking name off this thing, man! Like he's shit. Look at all this. Got matches matches all over the floor. floor. I've got a desk lighter. Have you seen how fucking cool this thing is? Cost me like a buck twenty-five, which is about a thousand (laughs) dollars. Um, Bogart's face when Miles volunteers to do the uh, the surveillance for for Wonderly. Half of the half the look he gives him. I was trying to figure out how to describe Humphrey Bogart. Bird brought up an interesting point. When I see Humphrey Bogart, I'm like, God, that is he's just like, there's something like ruggedly handsome about mm. him. He's magnetic. I can't take my eyes off him. As a heterosexual man, I'm looking at Humphrey Bogart and I'm like, that's a fucking great looking mm-hmm. man. Bird's like, he's not though. He's not actually not attractive. He's like almost attractive, but isn't. And I think that that, that weird like discrepancy comes from his physical performance he has such presence yeah and such command of his posture and his facial expression and what he does and with his hands confident like his he's he oozes confidence like yeah and he's aggressive there's something about not necessarily aggressive in the way that say the kid is mm-hmm. but he's assertive 
Yeah. He's assertive and he's sharp. Even when he's sli- and he's ballsy, there's something about being. Bu- I mean, that's why you see detectives again and again and again who you take chances, Marlo. That'll be next week. Yep. But you know, like the dude who pushes the envelope and takes his beaten and then gets up and keeps pushing the envelope. There's something about that guy that you want to keep watching. Yeah. You know, like there's a uniqueness to him though. Yeah. There, well. the- it's in his. He does this grin. He has this smile. That can be boyish, or it can be terrifying or sinister, but it is always in some way wolfish. Yeah. The dude is like, the only other person I can think of who's like this at all is Tom Cruise in the movie Collateral as Vincent. Wow. I know wow. it's so no, it's so okay. specific, but you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. He's got that kind of like laser intensity, utter composure and presence. In, in Collateral, there's a moment where he's like, he's facing four dudes with guns and he's unarmed, but then he just, well, he, he, they think he's unarmed, but then he just like, okay, and then handles the situation and kills all of them, and when you watch it, you're like, he, uh, ice in his veins. This movie, same kind of thing. He'll sit there and get, he'll drink enough to be shit-faced drunk with his enemies, unarmed. Yep. He'll sit there with no gun, with a gunman in the next room just yes. getting hammered with the bad guy, and he's like... Yeah, you know, I know all about your scheme. I'm like a totally loose end that you should fucking well, tie up. this brandy taste funny? It tastes a bit like a roofie. Two movies back to back. Yeah, where he gets brandy. poisoned. Mm. Speaking of which. Wow, that was kind of a belt I just took there. Mm-hmm. A little left, though. Mm. We'll come back to that. We'll circle, we'll circle around. Woo. But I love, there's these, oftentimes, you ever watch, ever watch people who aren't talking in movies? Yes. A lot of the times... It's one of my favorite things to do because it's one of the hardest things to do. Completely. The act of listening. A lot of times you see people either doing the like... Exactly. Exactly. You said a thing and it's... What? Watermelon, watermelon. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? You know, you get that or you get the people who are like, that's not my cue. That's not my cue. That's, That's not my cue. Yep. Um... Yeah, it's still on my. Uh, but what do you think? And they like totally are just waiting to hear the line so they can parrot their mm-hmm. shit. Have you ever seen anyone better than Humphrey Bogart at actually listening to a room? It's unreal, mm-hmm. dude. When Miles Archer and uh, Wonderly are talking to each other, just watch Sam Spade's face. When Sam Spade says something to Bridget O'Shaughnessy and O'Shaughnessy starts talking, I have a hard time watching O'Shaughnessy because I'm. Not all the time though. Well, she's, she's fucking good too, dude. Mary Astor's like the way. Oh, you are good, especially that little that little throb you get in your voice when you say, uh. "Please help me, Mister Spade." You're like, "All right, I lied, but the lie was in the way I said it, not in what I said." You know, like fucking top tier, dude. Everyone, I haven't had to look at my notes for any of these lines, man. These movies are killing. You got them nailed, dude. They're fucking so good, man. But, like, you watch Bogart in the background, and when you find out Miles Archer's doing, you know, like, oh, don't worry, I'll take care of it myself, Miss mm-hmm. Wonderly, and Bogart's eyes go up to him. Half of that glance is, you fucking horn dog. The other half is, you lucky son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, all in just a glance. It's a subtle, it's a subtle nature with which he participates in the scene when it isn't his turn to speak. Right, he... He so really fantastic. feels in the moment all the time. He's doing what all the great actors do. He's not, like you said, he's not waiting for the night. He doesn't know the line, know the line, know the line, now my line. Right. And he's not like, 
oh, first time I've heard this person say this, I must react in a certain way. Yeah. He is doing that. He's not doing like, classical Grecian like, but what? But it's that thing where when you know your part so well and you know your dialogue so well that you don't have to think about it anymore, that you become present in the scene. Right. Where that person is saying that thing for the very first time to you and you as Sam Spade are thinking through what they're saying and getting ready to you're speak absorbing as if the information and formulating a response. You're not acting, you're participating. Participating, which is the big difference, right? Yeah. It's because when someone else is speaking, most of the time we're trying in our brains to comprehend what that person is saying and then formulate a response to what that person has just said. Right. So an actor that is so ingrained in their character is doing that instead of I know this line, now say my line. They're hearing what is being said, considering it, coming up with a response to what is being said, and it just so happens to be what the playwright or script is calling for. Right. And that is a sign of right. fucking genius. Yeah. You you are able to arrive naturally at the thought that the screenwriter put in your head. Exactly. It's amazing to watch. It's That's what Daniel Day-Lewis does. It is very what what Tom Hardy does, does Robert that, Downey Jr. Yeah. does. Anybody where you're like, that is a damn good actor. What you just explained yeah. is why. Almost every time. Le- yep. Legitimately. It's why, like, everyone, you know, like, uh, he's a classically trained Meisner actor. You're like, whoa. No, yeah. That's Holy not just bullshit. shit, yeah. Because there's... Well, I mean, like, when you look at the Meisner exercises, you're like, I know you... Look, I know you don't like the movie, but in... You even know what I'm going to say, yeah. don't you? In Goodwill Hunting, there's a scene where Robin Williams and Matt Damon do this the little back and forth, yep. and it's an unscripted moment in the film. And it's not your fault. Don't fuck with me. It's not your fault. Don't fuck with it's me, not man. Your fault. You know, like yeah. where what Ro- that's a Meisner exercise yep. where Robin Williams delivers the same line again and again and again and again and again and again and again until it becomes essentially meaningless. Mm-hmm. And Matt Damon's the other side of that Meisner Your exercise job is to have a different response. A different every time. response to that line every time. You have to take it differently and respond to it differently every time you hear it, even though it's the same words and even though it's delivered only slightly differently or not differently at all it's clo- every time. Yeah, yeah, cuz the the actual exercise is the 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 the, the picture it's the same. Flat. Yep. Flat. You just every, every time. time you deliver it the same way, and then the receiver of the line has to respond in a different way, which means you need to be able to quickly shift between emotional states. But it creates a scene and a oh my god! It's in, it, incredible. Okay, yeah. you got it. If you give Goodwill Hunting nothing else, yeah. that scene is very compelling. And I won't. I'll give it that scene. Okay, give it. Give it that. And I won't give else. it the fucking. Yeah, I fucked your mom. How you like them apples? Or whatever the fuck he says about. Charging I can't wait late for fees at the I library can't wait for season six Gus Von Sant month where I just like do we have to watch Elephant like come on man. fuck yeah dude we're gonna do Elephant we're gonna do we're also gonna do a Coen Brothers movie month where we watch only the ones I don't only, like well the, only the one <laughs> the you don't one like burn, burn after reading I watched it recently <laughs> I kind of fucking like it so that it turns out I like all, right, all well, of we the gotta watch Brothers someone movie. you don't like so we'll do a Gus Von Sant month and Fair. I'll be like Carl how do you feel about and I'll just gauge like how much profanity you sling back at me the most profanity, those Wins. are the films. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> we'll do Last Days. There's a, well, like a you 10 can, minute shot like, of a tree in that movie. Uh, whatever. But I will. The, the I'm psycho on remake I, for sure. Well, sorry. I won't derail us. Let's get. No, no, no. But I'm, saying, like, I'm on record. Goodwill Hunting is a fucking horrible movie. Agree to disagree until right. until we. Dude, I. Best can, fucking screenplay. Someday you and I. Really? It's not. Th- 
someday you and I, I was gonna be, I was gonna agree with you, but I'm gonna hold off. I'm gonna keep a little bit of. I want some venom. I want sure. some venom for that episode. I'll keep it. I'll keep it in my fangs. Someday. It's you not and just I, a hot take. I fucking hate that dude, movie. We're gonna climb into the ring about this. I'm like <laughs> so fucking there for it, man. This is why I like this show. Okay. I'm going to skip all the way to the end sure. just to show you a, or just to, to dig into a Bogart moment. I don't want to just like, and that's the end of the movie. I just want to get this one line yeah. because it is the last spoken line in the film. Any other movie from like around this era would have had, you know, like, well, detective, I think that that's just what dreamed a man up, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Like it would be some big profound moment. But what happens at the end, the Maltese, Fal- the Maltese Falcon has mm-hmm. shown up. It's been an, a grueling night, dude. Fucking Peter Lord, Joel Cairo's been sleeping in a chair. Elisha Cook Jr. is being... Weeping. He's been told like five hours ago that he's going to go down for yeah, all the murders. You're worthless. You're, you are the shill for all they of this. They all tell him he's the fall guy. And then yeah. they're like, and now you just got to like sit with us. Yep. Right? Sit with us till dawn. Yes. And he's just sitting there knowing he's fucked the whole time. So like it's been this grueling night. The Maltese Falcon shows up. We'll talk. It, we'll talk a little bit about uh, uh fucking the- Gutman cutting towards his hands. Anxiety, anxiety. I feel sick. I I went to the ER for some so a hand yeah. a bad hand cut. So watching Gutman cut towards himself with a fucking his pocket knife. It's is it lead. How many times? No, we're not gonna get into this now. But how many times did it skip off and he had to pull his no, hand out did. of the way to not chop his fingers off? Because he's hacking at it. It's disgusting. I hate watching that moment. But at the end of the movie, we find out that it's a fake. This Maltese Falcon is just made of lead. There's no gold. It's it's worthless. It's a dummy. It's Mm -hmm. a phony. But that that ship captain must have the real one, though. Did he? Or did Thursby have a false one made in Istanbul, and Thursby, who is now dead, is the only person who knew where the... Well, that's the question, which is why they all, like, well, I guess we... I love the fat man's reaction. He's fucking pissed at first, but then he's like, all right, time for another adventure. Cairo, are you with me? Pack your bags, kids. (laughs) Off we go. We're going. You know, Spade's gonna fucking just hang them all, but... Oh, my God, I love it. But the last line, one of the detectives who comes to arrest Bridget O'Shaughnessy for the murder of Miles picks up the falcon and he goes it's heavy what is it so spades line it spades line he he walks over next to the detective and he goes i think i know it the uh stuff the dreams dreams are made of that's where this comes from yeah that's where the line comes from i forgot and then he said it and i cried i mean yeah 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 we are we are such stuff as dreams Dreams are made of yeah but what a fucking amazing way to bend a Shakespeare yeah. quote. Yeah. We Incredible. are such stuff as dreams. Oh, the ephemeral nature mm-hmm. of man. But after World War II has happened, while World this War II is happening, poignant, dude, like- everyone has been, I was talking with Bert about this, and like everyone, this whole movie has been, they've killed multiple people in multiple countries mm-hmm. to try and procure this falcon. And you can, every time someone talks about it, there's this fucking awesome moment right before this happens. I'll read. Let's let's talk about the end right now. As Gutman, Cairo, and O'Shaughnessy tear open that parcel, they're just feverishly ripping into it. You know, like a kid that hope he got a Nintendo for Christmas. The the naked greed. It's not even greed. The naked like avarice. You know, Mm -hmm. on their faces. This like, and you can. They just. There's this great three shot of them where you can see all three of them looking down at the the packaging as they rip it open. 
And on each of their faces, you can see this like profound greed. You can almost, almost see the wheels of like the cogs of some scheme working in all their minds about how they can fuck these other two people out of this thing on the table. And then it's brilliant because they cut, they show all three of those and say, there's one set. And then they cut to the reverse and it's Sam Spade by himself mm. grinning <laughs> like he wants to laugh yeah. at these three. Because it's like you stupid motherfuckers. Dude, it's it's beautiful performances from Peter Laurie, uh, Green Street. Is it Green Street? I well, they all have yeah. completely different reactions to it. But there's well, once the once the right. phony shows up. Right, yeah, 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 but yeah. this this shot right here where they all think that they're at the golden rainbow, this is the most honest that Spade has yet seen these three. Their guard is down because they're there. Because they have their thing. They're at the finish line. They, got the, yeah. they made it, man. They got the prize. Yes. So so they start digging in, and all of a sudden, all the lies and all the bullshit they and all the- They become these children oh, digging into a fucking present. And Spade sees them, and Spade is watching, and he was right about all of these people, and he's satisfied mm-hmm. to know that he was right. Exactly. That's all he ever wanted. He doesn't even keep the thousand dollars. No, he doesn't. He's oh, that's a thousand bucks that they were gonna pay it's me. It's a thousand dollars that was meant as a bri- meant to bribe me. Gives turns it right over to the cops because it's he didn't not have to do that. Not even a moment of this thing was about the Maltese Falcon for him. No, it's about learning the truth about, about what the what fuck, the was fuck going happened on. to Miles. Yeah, because of his brilliant monologue that happens like right near right. In between them tearing open the Falcon and that gorgeous last line. But let me, let's unpack that last line super quick. <laughs> Watching Gutman cut towards himself, I said. Yeah, yeah. But let's unpack that really quick. That, that moment where they're, they're just like, they're, they're tearing everything open and, and he looks at him. And then there's this, there's this moment where he's sitting in a chair after he has confronted O'Shaughnessy. No, wait, hold on brief pin let's put a pin in that because that sure. that's the meat of the end of the movie yep. that's it's basically the thesis of the i was film. gonna say that that's the thesis we want to cut yes thing. i know as yeah. soon as i said it i was like we we haven't earned we got a couple that of discussion. we got to talk yep. a little bit more um so we get the simple direct let's jump back to miles archer's murder yeah super simple and direct i love how it's shot miles archer walking around hey he turns toward the camera so we're the killer and he we get this he honestly miles archer of all the actors in this is the one that I'm like. Sorry, he gets smoked pretty early. There's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason they killed that actor early. Is like I don't well, know if he I had do, the legs yeah, to well, walk. With. Because well, that's his like. Ah, oh, the gam's on that one, huh? I guess I'll go follow her. <laughs> a little bit, a yeah. little bit. And I'm not to cur- I mean, how you know how how can you possibly look good if you're even like one notch below Bogart, Peter Laurie, Green Laurie, Street, yeah. Bogart, yeah. Astor? You know, like no, I don't mean to shit in this dude's mouth. He's good, but like, there's this moment he turns and he's. Wait a minute, what? And then, and here comes, yeah, dude, that Webley comes out. Great ADR, too. Yeah. Like, honestly, for 1941, this is a really well cut. Well, they actually shot him. (laughs) I know. All right. (laughs) I forgot 41, back before, you know, there was all these, like, rights and and laws. (laughs) People actually matter. Ethical treatment of actors or whatever, you know? (laughs) But... But yeah, why, so we get Miles Archer's death like muy pronto. Boom, goes through the rail, rolls down the hill. Mm-hmm. Good, that was cool. It was yeah. a little cool, yeah. little bit there. But that that reminded me a little bit of like a Dick Tracy serial. The way it was shot, the way it was acted, it felt a little campy, a little bit like the yes. opening reel to a thing. Dude, like someday, yeah. someday you and I are gonna do Dick Tracy. I've seen all of them. 
the movie, the entire, all the movies, all of the all of the serials, all of the original like the only. Well, I read the comics, but the only sure. thing that I'm aware of for the film is the Warren Beatty Madonna picture. Oh man, that's good too, though, for other reasons. <laughs> but the black and white serials are fucking Chef's Kiss. They're so fucking good. That's dude. that's the money. Yeah. So when we we get through all the like you know. Uh, you know we're gonna go the two cops come and question bogart in his apartment that night yeah for the murder of his own partner they're like hey sham how's it going he's like come on in have a drink sit down and they're like no yeah no and no and they're like he's immediately sam spade's like oh you're here to grill me about a killing okay well let me uh let me pour a stiff (laughs) belt (laughs) (laughs) you boys sure you don't want a bogart pour of this pretty shitty stuff Um, that is one of the nice things about these two detectives is everybody they talk to has got a crystal decanter of yeah, something that's no 50 years old sitting on their mantelpiece. But when after after all the cop, you know, the cops come and kind of kind of pressure him a little mm-hmm. bit. I really like, you know, sorry, I got up on my back legs there, boys, but the ways you, you were coming after me and that you two acting all foxy. Now I know where I stand. Yeah. Yeah. Thursby was killed tonight. Oh, he was killed. He was killed, was he? How'd I do it? I forget. How'd he do it? Oh, my God. I want to watch this movie again, like, right now. Dude, The dialogue honestly, is so fucking good, man. They, they are so rewatchable, honestly. We, we Well, that's one of the notes that I had, was, like, that I could watch both of these movies yeah. ten times and, like, find a new line that I that I miss because it all happens so fast. And some of them are a and little while, mumbly, enjoy, yeah, too. Which but is, while you're enjoying one, three other lines are happening. You're like... Oh, Fuck, dude! You know how like when they you have like overlapping dialogue where people like it's cut each other off and Friday go, stuff. Yes, yeah. Bogart is so he that guy has like the millisecond where my line should start. That just lives in the like metronome in his soul because he never ever misplaces a line. He's coming in on the and of one, the pre and of one, dude. Like the- he when when he's gonna cut someone off, he cuts them off hard. Yeah. When he needs to like softly murmur something over another line, it sits in exactly the right spot so that you can hear his line in the other line, even though he's being quiet. Like this is, you know, for a there's a gumshoe movie where we're trying to find a bird painted black. This is high level stuff, honestly. Yeah. There's a reason. I mean, come on. We're not talking about like, and this is, you know, Gumshoe Alley. This is the Maltese Falcon, 1941. Mm-hmm. There's a fucking reason this movie is legendary. And yes. it's because, you know, it stem is. to stern. The like, I love Key Largo, but that is a gangster freaking like, goof. but there are, there are cool moments in that too. There are great, great character moments in that. In Key Largo? In Key Largo. Agreed. Because he thinks. Everyone thinks he's a hero, but a little, he's not. Well, belt for you. Sure. You knew, you knew it was an empty magazine, right? <laughs> anyway, but here, yeah, I'll just be, uh, I'll you. be, I'll be Gutman. Your glass, sir. Your glass, Your glass. But, um, but here it's 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 an elevated form of, of of the, or is an elevated example of what you can do with a genre. It's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this I the think masters doing the genre. I I almost think. Now there are there are movies that predate this that sure. are the film noir. I'm pretty sure like Nightmare Alley is 1936. So there's mm-hmm. this this genre. A lot exists. of the Cagney stuff was before this. Well, one day, one day we're doing a but Cagney like, month. White Heat, like those are all yes. very like 
They're, aggr- they're aggressive. Let's they're- just cr- scrap the rest of the year and just do film noir, dude. Can we? I Season mean, five, film noir year. Top of the world, Ma. Let's fucking do it. It's like Spider-Man, black and white, except we're doing like measuring Spider- flicks, black and white. Okay, if this doesn't sell you on Spider-Man Under the Spider-Verse, one of the variants of Spider-Man is Spider-Noir. He, all, all, all I like to do is drink my egg creams. He's got a fucking fedora. And the egg creams black, make a return. Yep, the black thing voiced by none other than Nicolas Cage. That's not, that's not, is that true? Yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to watch this. Spider Noir voice. Well, that's the episode, folks. We'll we'll talk to you next time. Oh my God. But I I think that this movie, the reason that we're talking about this movie and not those others that we just mentioned, which we will talk about Mm -hmm. because there's no way we're not going to do, we're digging to Cagney. White Heat is fucking amazing. He is incredible. But I think this movie, I think Dashiell Hammett's book established Established the genre, established mm-hmm. all of the tropes, the style of dialogue, the, well, I'm your client and I'm telling you one thing, but really I have a hidden agenda. How many times does that pop up? Never. The client never right. comes in like, here's my problem. Please fix it. It's and that's like, the problem. That's the thing that you are now solving through throughout the rest never, of the story. Not even one time has yeah. that happened in a compelling noir. Never. <laughs> never. So... I think that the the reason point of the reason it ends up not this, even being the reason in Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. She thinks she has the right reason, friends of Carlotta, <laughs> enemies of Carlotta, but it's actually the Nazis making cheese that will destroy the nation. <laughs> it's a great movie. Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid is really good. Yeah. I might watch that one actually. I've had it. I've had so much of the like straight laced. You know, like take it neat. Mm-hmm. How do how do you like your brandy in a glass? In a glass. <laughs> What I love I is that is that Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid for me made these two movies watch differently, and I appreciate it. like I appreciate them already, but appreciate them even more. And then watching these is going to make me right. appreciate Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid even yes. more. And now it's it's this beautiful yep. merry-go-round loop, of just an endless loop, constantly just. I'll watch Steve Martin pretend to be Humphrey Bogart, and day. then go watch Humphrey Bogart and then have a phone conversation with Humphrey Bogart. Dude, every time Bogey and we're not no, we talked about Dead Men. We yeah, we did. Plan. We did a whole episode <laughs> on it. Um, so there's there's this other kind of subplot that's going on. There's this character, Iva Archer. It's Archer's wife. <laughs> yes, Spade has been banging, but he's like done it's with her. It's implied that they are kind of done. Yes, though, right. Well, like, on Spade's side, uh, but not on her side. Spade's had his fun. He's been done for a while. Yeah, kind of feels that way, doesn't it? It really does, this... and I kind of feel like he is kind of nasty to her and well, she keeps coming I mean I don't know dude though okay Iva at one point Iva shows up after Archer the day the morning after, after her husband has been yes killed. the morning after Archer's In been cold killed blood. And all she Murdered, worries about down. is like, is she gonna get more of his dick? Yeah, like, like legit. She's like she even asks him at one point I mean this is the whole like impetus for the scene, but I love that after the Archer murder happens and he's informed of it. He like sits up and immediately calls Effie Perrin and he's like, Effie, listen, I'm pretty drunk still, but I just found out that Archer died. Spit on his memory. Um, I'm going to need you to keep his wife like the fuck away from me. She is like, I just me. can't even deal with that bitch anymore. Yeah. She's like, I just don't like her. <laughs> 
<laughs> so Effie Perrin, who is his, I guess we should have established, is his like, like secretary? secretary. Yeah, like front desk girl. Her, she's the door greeter. person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's like, hi, do you have an appointment? You know, but also she like hides evidence she's like, and she's covers like the, the Karen. Lies to the police. Daredevil. No. She's like, shh. Uh, Karen Page? Karen Page. A little bit. In the first season, at least. But he gets to the office, and Effie Perrin's sitting there just looking like like she's gone 10 rounds with, like, you know, like a bull on steroids oh, and acid. she looks rough, dude. She looks bad. Like, hasn't slept. And she's rubbing her temples. Bogart comes, I mean, Sam Spade comes, and he's like, Effie, you look like shit. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, like shit, you had a rough night, huh? Hey there, Effie, you look awful. Bad, <laughs> bad night. Bad night, leave you looking like dog shit, and you're you're my smiling face. I mean, I do understand that your husband was brutally murdered. In well, the no, streets. Effie, Effie, oh, Effie. Yeah, because you no, know, he comes in, and Effie's like, she's in there. Oh, I thought right. I told you to keep her away from me. <laughs> and she goes, she goes, oh, be like, be kind to me. So, no, she doesn't say that. She's she's like, don't give me any shit, Sam. I've had her all night. <laughs> and dude, Sam is immediately like, fair, fair. That's totally fair. I'm. I am so sorry. Here's a hundred dollars. That's how fucked up Iva is. And then he walks into his office. He's like, "Darling," and you just see his face. He's like, "Son of a bitch, darling." You just like he like he like has to take a breath in. He's like, "All right, here we go." Beautiful. <laughs> how are you? You know. Oh my god. Gives her. He like gives her the hug and the little kiss and hugs her and then rolling a cigarette behind her back because he doesn't much, give a dude. shit. He's like, what? He's like Instagram. You yeah. know, seeing what's what, checking his feed. You yeah. know, and she's like, oh my. Not. But there's this great moment where she, she, oh, did you kill him, Sam? Now, who put that stupid yeah. idea in your head? Well, the you. cops came by. Well, she says, well, that's how she finds out that he yeah. died, was Effie Perrin called her mm-hmm. to inform. I, it was either her or the cops, but it really doesn't matter. What right. the I, She got the idea from Sam himself. Well, you, you said that if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Miles, and then Bogart lets her go, like, Bitch, what, what are you fucking talking about? And she goes, oh, be kind to me, Sam. This is my f- one of my favorite Bogart acting moments in this film. He walks across the room, his office, just like kind of like scowling a little bit, you know, looks a little pissed, sits down on his desk, and then bang, breaks into this like vicious Joker grin and goes, ha, you killed my husband, Sam, be kind to me. And there's such brutal venom in his voice. He's got this, like, wicked grin, like, you're dead to me, you fucking piece of shit. You've never seen hatred like that on a human's face, and he's happy about it. Yeah. This is not the only time in this movie that we will see him grin when something terrible is happening. Do you think that he, I mean, part of being a private dick in the 40s, you gotta kind of enjoy being in that world or you wouldn't be doing that. But he, I think, thrives in it. And sort of lives for those moments. He's a man built for this work. Absolutely. Definitely. And even his particular moral code suits him well, well in this Well, it's beyond line. gray. Yeah. Because like he... It's he, not even like ambiguity. Dude, like he has a sense of... He has a moral compass. He does. He does. But it's just not necessarily the same compass that you and I have. Do you know anything about Dashiell Hammett? I know he's a fantastic author. He is. He's phenomenal. But I've not read any of his work or uh, know anything personal about the about man. Him. Dashiell Hammett, before World War One, I, I believe, was a Pinkerton. 
He was a detective, an actual detective. No shit. Yeah, so he worked for the Pinkerton Detective Agency, which a lot of people think Pinkertons were like a go- some government agency, but yeah. they're not. They were a private investigative agency that was started, I, I honestly can't remember when, sometime between Because I always like, thought they were like an offshoot of the FBI or no, some, like they the were Federal Bureau. they were often employed by the government, though. Sure, so okay, that Pink- makes sense. They were eventually bought in like the, it was like the 90s. The Pinkertons were purchased by a, secu- a big giant security firm that just folded the Pinkerton. Okay agency into this bigger security firm but the pinkertons originally you might recognize the name from like public enemies and movies mm-hmm. like that because it's always pinkerton detectives They're who are always hunting down on, the on gangsters. Their, yeah yeah always on their heels the they, pinkertons are here they were a private investigative agency that um started in one location and then began to expand and they would open up branches everywhere it was started by this like just this one guy this one i, th- I believe he was an immigrant as well they were like the mcdonald's of they're like, yeah, yeah. Eh, not the McDonald's, like, more like a Applebee's, like a Ruth's like, Chris, because they were, <laughs> oh, okay, like dude, a, they were like, steakhouse, they were so, fucking okay. good, like Pinkertons were no shit. They were the ocean ass seafood room. I so ah god, <laughs> <laughs> they were the Joe's Crab Shack. Not that much, not that <laughs> good. That was like, I mean, the FBI didn't exist yet, you know. Right. We, but not, but uh, but the Pinkertons are like pre-FBI. It was the right. investigative agency that was spread across the United States. Lots of government work. But initially an independent agency, they were originally um, like I had notes on this somewhere, but they uh, they were hired early on to like chase down train robbers and break up like the Barker gang and shit like that. Yeah. And they chased down tons of bank robbers like one of the, the people who hounded like John Dillinger. The Pinkertons were a huge pain in his ass trying to bring him down. And. In a, in a huge number of cases, they were ultimately successful. The Pinkertons are pretty bomb. And Dashiell Hammett was one, was one for of a while. That's awesome. Then Dashiell Hammett, I can't remember if it happened. He went overseas for some reason, and I believe... Was it, it the war? I believe it's World yeah. War One, but I'm not positive. So I think he went overseas for World War One, and he, he became ill. I'm not sure which illness it was. It might have been consumption, but he, he basically had declining health for about a decade before he died and he realized he couldn't be a detective anymore so when he got back stateside rather than continue his detective work he became a writer and created sam spade right what you know i kind of right like you know holy shit so he wrote he has a bunch of great novels uh the dane curse red harvest the thin man the thin man is the one that i was you can get a collection of all of his novels in one book unfortunately he only had about he had time to write about five in a right. bunch of short and most stories. of them are pulp right there were like 200 pages or so or uh, they get a little pulp more... they were he wrote primarily detective fiction about two different characters okay. and one of them is sam spade and he shows up a couple times but i think his first appearance is the maltese falcon i have no idea how we got onto that but that's basically dashiell hammett's background which is kind of cool but let me jump back to this iva archer shit you killed my husband sam be kind to me you know giving her that oh don't oh. she comes over and starts crying and like turns away from him and she's all weeping and you can watch the like vicious yep. mm-hmm. smile turn into disgust at yeah. this groveling yeah. worm in front of him because you think because he's so brilliant it goes through uh, you think he's gonna be like oh shit i said to uh, i shouldn't have said it you know it almost goes there but it doesn't it goes right into disgust he fools you in his in his reaction to what she's doing where you think he's gonna be oh shit i'm sorry i shouldn't have said that i was wrong but he doesn't he's <laughs> like ah fucking shit you sh- you should go now. You Iva. should leave. Yeah. You'll come to see me as yeah, soon yeah, yeah. as I as soon as I can. As I can, dude. Watching watching the like ire turn into disgust, turn into like cannot be bothered to have this human around me for one more second. She's like refuse. 
And that's that's one of the things about Sam Spade and uh, Philip Marlowe in the next movie. But like, that's one of the thing about these one of the things about these PIs from this time period. They are brutal, cold, direct, callous, rough men to a to a to man, a, yeah. like universally. Now, Sam Spade, as far as I recall, doesn't hit any women in this movie. I don't believe so. I think he, he shakes a couple he of shoulders. Sh- he shakes some but shoulders. But not like, like, no. snap out of it. Now listen but here, never a, you and I. Never a backhand like Philip Marlowe does. He fucking slaps <laughs> Peter Laurie around like. That's that's <laughs> fine though. He Oh man, he hands him his fucking teeth. But in the like, he's doing it in such a like, you bitch kind of way. When you're, like, s- when you're slapped, you'll take it and like it. Yeah, oh my but, God. Dude, but uh, Philip Marlowe hits women. Often, yeah, a lot. It's nuts. You watch that movie and you're like, "Snap out of it, kid!" Boom. <laughs> well, she's unconscious. Well, she's you knocked her out. She, you killed her. Yeah, <laughs> she's dead. <laughs> she's a ninety pound woman, and you just fractured her skull. So. But they're they're really they're really rough. But it's not just their physical roughness that's emulated. Because I mean, like in the man, <laughs> in the uh, uh, dead men don't wear plaid. <laughs> Like the him hitting women thing is like really like dialed up to eleven. It's yeah. just like, yeah. <laughs> and played you know? for for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's commenting. Oh, sorry about that one. It's okay. That was a pew, that was a laser spit that just flipped over there. Did you get a little? Oh yeah, dude. Well, we're just both enjoying boosted. it. We're boosted. It's fine. I'm so totes boosted. We're gonna share all of our shit. trip shots. Yeah, we can just we're gonna... here. Let me spit in your glass. Here, just, uh, <laughs> Want to trade? Want to trade drinks? Let me lick the let rim. Me... <laughs> For those of you in the distant future, COVID's COVID COVID nineteen was like no joke. I mean, honestly, we're risking our life and limb to bring you these, bring you the yucks. This is pretty good juice. I got no issues with it at all. Um, but let me finish up this thought about Samuel Spade being brutal. Dead men don't wear. Dead plaid. men don't wear plaid. This is really good juice, Carl. It is. <laughs> We've only had eight fingers of it so far. Yeah, that's only like one Spade drink. <laughs> Thus far. No, actually, we've had about a snifter, an actual snifter pour of brandy is what we've had so far. Approximately? Yeah. Why do I feel more drunk than that? <laughs> is it just because of the... I this happens every time we do the show, it though. Does. It might be like talking so much we're not getting enough air. I think so, and we laugh a lot, which which <laughs> makes it like... It's like when you're smoking grass and yeah, like yeah. you cough or laugh a lot, you get so much more fucking... More higher. More higher. Yeah, yeah. This might be the same sort of thing, because we've had like one tiki drink. This had like an ounce and a half of rum in it, and have been like cooked, That's like true. completely 100% fucking hammered. True, like, yeah. dude, I think that we should yeah. get some Chinese food. <laughs> yes. Like, you had an ounce and a half of Bacardi, right? An hour and a half ago. But in the right circumstances, that's all it takes. Yeah. I love that. I said Spade becomes in this film the archetype for all hard men of the modern era. Of private eyes. It's not a lift from the Western because I was trying to think of like what what lineage does this archetypical character have? The hard man who's willing to use. Well, that's violence. where I was going. Was like, does it come from the Western? Well, that's what I was wondering. I said it's not a direct lift from the Westerns, though perhaps some of the hardness comes up from there. Mm-hmm. There's a shining, slick note of cynicism that coats Spade's but that, bones. But that comes from. I think like World War Two. I agree from the era. I think this is like what happens when you take a Western gunslinger and then drag him through the mud mm-hmm. of the war. You send him to war for a couple of years and then you put a suit on him and tell him to solve. Not just any war, man. This isn't like no. This, this isn't is the like... Spanish-American War where we're you know we're firing our lever-action rifles. World War Two was a tanks whole and chemical warfare, dude. It's 
You have a genocide happening yeah. going. Like like World War Two is a different flavor and it really sours the the well of the world mm-hmm. forever after. Yeah. After World War Two there is this little drop of poison in everything. And I think partly that's because we now know that the atomic bomb exists, but we also know the extent to which man is willing to exercise cruelty against man Mm -hmm. to assert power. That many people have not died in a war before or since. And Spade is a product in some ways of the early part of that conflict. So I think that... Still uh, pre-A-bomb drop. Yes, at this point, 941. We're just killing killing each other like up close and personal Machine at guns, range and tanks, with tanks and yeah yeah but but it's happening at wild scale, wild scale. because this is the first time that we've had machine guns mm-hmm. that's another th- like no one thinks about that but like technology with like what the new technology is that matters we've just gotten machine guns killing has become very easy you see it a little bit in this movie where do you see it the most though is we'll talk about it next week you know like so many gu- my, 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 so many guns in town and so few brains. Yeah. that And that's 46. That's for- however, <laughs> yeah. however, we're going to put a pin in this, yep. and we're going to come back at you in a couple of days with part two of this here episode. Um, let's, this is the first time that we have a new show structure, so bear with us as we work well, our way we, through the First time we've ever had a show structure. Ever. It's usually been like, Carl, I want to come do an episode. I'm already recording. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did I come here in time? Good. Perfect. We're like legit flying by the seat of our pants a lot of the time. But we, we're going to start wrapping up here. We will be back at you in the next couple of days. As soon, Honestly, the way this always works is we put a pin in it and then just immediately record the rest of the episode, yep. and then I release them back to back. So tune in tomorrow, and you'll get part two of this episode. But this was a honestly a fucking amazing it. kickoff for yeah, season five and for our discussion of the Maltese Falcon. Now. Where can listeners find us, Carl? They can find us at patreon.com slash quillinfilm. I thought you were actually asking me, like, I, no, well, you, I think I know. I'm gonna <laughs> I know where to go to record them. Carl, where can listeners find us? No cheating. They can find us uh, at, the, at our website, Quillin Film Productions. Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M Productions.com. We have all of our shit there, and yeah. other. Pl- we're going to be restructuring the whole thing, so look for changes soon. Uh, they can also find us uh, on Spotify and iTunes under Measuring Flicks. Mm. Uh, find us on our social media. We are Measuring Flicks, Measuring Flicks on Facebook. You can follow me, Carl Michael Hartley, my personal page on Facebook, and you're at the actual, actual Max, Max P, P, correct, on Instagram uh, and YouTube. You can find us on YouTube. Measuring Flicks is how you find us there. Uh, you can drop us a line at measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. Dude, you nailed you nailed everything you. on my list. I fucking love that. Um, in the next couple of weeks, there will be a link tree up on our Instagram, which is measuring flicks it measuring flicks. Mm-hmm. Measuring it's either measuring flicks or measuring flicks podcast. Either way, it's the one where Carl and I, our faces are mushed together and it's upsetting to look at. It is. I still love it. It'll never change. It'll never change because of how many people tell me, like, it haunts my nightmares. Yeah. So you're thinking about us. All right. Exactly. No press is bad press, baby. So, uh, yeah, you can drop us a line at measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. On the Instagram in the next couple of weeks, there will be a link tree that will take you to basically all the places that Carl just uh, referenced. If you like what we do and you want to hear more of it, Here's how you can help. First of all, 
you can head on over to patreon.com slash quillinfilm. This is a listener-supported podcast. Mm -hmm. We have a slew of people who every month contribute a little bit of money to the show to help keep the lights on, keep the mics hot, keep our glasses full of cheap swill that we just are slowly destroying our insides with. I love it. I have no issues with it at all. I'm so clean on the inside now. Yeah, yeah. Like, any, any... you know, all the plaque is gone from my arteries. These broccoli that was stuck in there yeah. now cleaned just out. Liquor. I don't even have that gross lining in my stomach mm-hmm. anymore. Now it's just I don't have any of that that stomach. gross microbiome they talk about. That's all gone. They say there's bacteria in my guts, but Not fuck anymore. that. I don't want to have cleaned it out. Antibiotics. Get I just drink. Get some it out of you. VSOP, baby. Very super. No bacteria. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. Um. So we'd like to take a moment to thank those people. Thank the people who keep the lights on. Um, so Patreon shout-outs. You too can get these shout-outs just by heading on over to our Patreon and donating as little as uno dollar a One month. Dollar. But really, the cool kids do five, so they get the bonus episodes. Um, so we would love to thank Micah Maybe, Kristen Stewart, Mariah Rosado, <gasps> Baloney Shoes. <laughs> you got us. You got it. You got it. Um, Leslie Ty. Cassandra, actually, if you have not listened to any of our back episodes and you decided to just start with season five, good on you. Go and check out this cool little podcast called Cassandra Explains It All. It's one of my favorite podcasts, and it's not just because she sponsors our show. Yes. She is, it is such an endearing, wonderful, joyous podcast. It leaves me smiling every time. It's a 90s throwback, like nostalgia type show. She has been a listener since season one. She was one of the first to email us. She's talking about stuff that is past my, like, I was already older, but I can appreciate, like, the Rugrats episodes, and, like, it's just so, like, because you're aware, because right. it's the zeitgeist. But and it's not just her talking about them. She gets the creator of the Rugrats on her fucking show. on her show. Yeah, and then sometimes she will step down from that golden pedestal of royalty and occasionally have... I thought you stepped down from that golden shower. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't know. Florida's a weird state. It's a weird state. You know, that Florida... I'm not going to judge you, Cassandra. Either way, honestly. But you need to explain yourself. <laughs> In your podcast, um, but yes, occasionally she'll she'll deign to allow lesser minor celebrities, such as myself. Um, my wife and I, my bird, my wife and I have been on her show a couple of times. Go check out those back episodes. Ours She's are, too afraid to have me on the show, which is fine, <laughs> dude. Once we do, she doesn't know what'll happen if she has. Once me on Once we the show. do Gosling Month, just whispered it straight into the microphone. Good stuff. This is good stuff we got. <laughs> it's. It's me, it's me, Brandy. There's going to be a month of Gosling, Ryan Gosling. Listener, we got some surprises for you coming up later this season. Anyway, Cassandra, thank you so much. Um, we would love to thank Jeffrey, Tiberius, Tenelius, T- Tiger Morgan. Ticonderoga. Ticonderoga, Tiger Blood Morgan. Ooh. I know. I'm going to have to write that one down yeah. so I may get it right next time. You have it on two different... We're recording apparatus. It'll just be a clip of me saying that <laughs> that I splice in every yes. time. Every other episode, I'm like, and we'd like to thank William Rockwood. Fucking Jeffrey <laughs> Tiberius Tenelius Tigrinius Tigerblood Morgan Third. Just hammered. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Kevin Ramirez holding down the East Coast yeah, for thank us. You, thank Cameron. you kindly. Um, Sister Sarah Hartley over at the nunnery and repeated Suede Rainbow practice yes, space. Yes, she's a, bless. one of our studios. Uh, William Rockwood, who's actually not real. 
that's just a he's a figment, yeah, a figment. of all we of our imaginations. We both thought him up at the same time, and somehow. Yeah, I still want to know whose bank account his money's coming out of because. Sure, you've been probably. Uh, honestly, probably. Let's be let's be real for sure. Um, we'd love to thank Brian Jackson, Kelly, and Mike Wagner, Katie Clark, Danielle Hartelli. I already said this guy's name, but I guess I gotta say it again. Fuck. We would like to thank Connor Sweeney, and finally, we'd like to. Th- <laughs> you gotta bust his balls yeah, gotta. every time. You just kick kick at him a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's something. Just gotta. It's a little. It's like that needle you were talking yeah, about at the beginning. Just under the fingernail. Just yeah. Just yeah. a little. Just a like little. stick being tortured. Season three, episode two of. You gotta Daredevil. get off Daredevil. I know. No, not even because not even because you're talking about Daredevil, but because I remember that scene. Oh, and it's season making two, my like episode twelve. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, that and then once his rescue when he's uh, when he's fucking pulling the uh, shit out. Oh, uh, it's horrible. Uh, Finally, lastly. Up in the up in the the far reaches of the UP in negative twenty six degree with God wind bless chill weather. Both of, you up there. both of you, hang tough, guys. It'll get better. Months, Months from now, from you're now. fucked for say, a long time like still. But June, we would love to thank John Shibe and Casey Shibe. Casey Shibe, you may know from her HBO special, The Glitterati. But you know they pulled that show down for due to its extremely controversial content. <sighs> I mean, they had some like. Content. It was pretty rough. The content, yeah, yeah. the capital. It was it T was live content. for twenty eight minutes before the yank. They pulled it. it the whole season. Yeah, and that's a fucking travesty. It. So you can it head is. on over to change.org, start a petition <laughs> for Casey. <laughs> Bring back the glitter. The glitter, Adi. With that, um, let's see. Do we have anything else? Oh yes, there are other ways you can help us. You can share our show. Tell pe- if you like us, tell people about us. If you think we're funny, tell people about us. If you don't, go fuck yourself. Or not. Or not. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like or drop a comment. Do we have to say ring that bell? Yeah, Which smash is that. It, is smash it here? That. Smash that bell. We'll just get notified for when new episodes, but it will be. It. But that actually is. not If you it do, is here? yeah. If you do hit the notification bell, you'll be alerted when new episodes drop. So Which is cool. You can cool also thing. hit whatever that. That one. That's uh, the like button will probably be around here. Yeah. And then the you can also comments, hit just a little hit another one of these. Me, mm. me, Brandy. Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you in part two, everybody. Yes, we'll see you. See you next week in part two.